Hello and welcome to a World Cup Wonderland, a World Cup podcast. Yes, something a little different today. We will touch on some Arsenal stuff, but we are going to do a World Cup roundup so far. Um, with me today, we have the lovely, lovely Danny. He's not moaned once today. He's not moaned that he's cold. He's not moaned that he has to get out of bed. He's not moaned about having to do this show. He's been quite pleasant, haven't you, Danny? No, it's a lie. I've done nothing but moan. I've bent your ear for the last 15 minutes. I'm only here to make up the numbers. That's all I'm here for, much like the rest of my life. How are you, Carl? You're looking splendid. I am very tired, Danny. We are waiting for someone who looks like you, the same size as you, the same beard as you, to come down people's chimneys. You know, we spend the whole year worrying about strangers breaking into our houses, but one day of the year, we allow a fat old man to come in our houses, eat our food, and leave little presents for our kids. Not wrong in the slightest, is it? But, you know, <laughs> it is the way it is. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, we also have the man, the myth, the legend, Christopher Carpenter. How are you, Christopher? I'm all right. I'm, I'm not actually a Christopher, fun fact. Uh, so, you know, let's, let's get that out of the way. <laughs> My no, I'm, I'm, I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. Yeah, I'm all right. It's bloody cold. And I know people have it colder in other countries, but we're not in other countries and we're not used to this shit. So if, you know, if it could sort of hurry up and be summer and, and I can't stand the dark nights, sad is a real thing, people. Other than that, I'm all right. So at least we know that Chris is not Batman because he can't stand dark nights. So Very good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and last but not least, we have uh, Femi. How are you, Femi? Oh, good. I was going to say the exact same thing about The Dark Knight as he said that. <laughs> I was about to say that was a good movie. <laughs> one yeah. of the, actually, one of the best, actually, of the uh, three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now nah, all good. All good. Good to be back on um, talking. Good to have a voice, actually, after being, being sick the last week or two. Stupid thing that's going around. Oh, it wasn't COVID. It's just that flu that was going around. I'm pretty sure it's that strep thing that's going around. Oh, tonsils and tonsillitis and all that stuff. I asked this question yesterday. I went, isn't this tonsillitis? And then someone said, no, it's like it, but much worse. It was like, it was like exactly like it, but 10 times worse yet. Oh, Jesus. And you got kids. Yeah. So don't lick yeah. them for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So we're going to touch on the, uh, the World Cup. We're going to do like a brief over. Uh, view of the group stages, best worst games, uh, the surprises of the group games, and it was a touch on the uh, round of sixteen. Um, Danny, I know you haven't watched a load of the games, so I'm going to come to you sporadically because no. you've already told me that you haven't watched all the games. So um, I guess we'll, we'll go group by group because I think that's probably the easier way. So um, we'll start on Group A, which was Netherlands, Senegal, Ecuador, and Qatar. We all know that Qatar were going to be the whipping boys um, of the group and they lost three out of three games, which is no surprise um, whatsoever. But uh, Femi, I'll come to you. So um, Netherlands topped the group. They won uh, two out of three games uh, and Senegal came second. Did you see a surprise in that group or did you think that Ecuador... Because Ecuador are no, they're no slouches and they're, they're quite good in Europe, international football. So did you think that Netherlands was always going to top the group and it was always a battle of second place between Senegal and Ecuador. 
Um, I mean, to be fair, Netherlands had have been improving um, in in Europe recently, anyway. So I kind of expected them to go through, but based on performances, I I was impressed with Ecuador. You know, going into the first two games, um, but it, I think the nature of the groups actually is is quite fascinating this time around. It, it because all the groups were close because at least one team. No, there's usually at least two teams that are bad in every group. But this year, there wasn't necessarily two teams that got absolutely spanked in all their games. So it kind of kept the, the groups kind of tight. And this was just a perfect example of it because you wouldn't have expected Senegal to go through based on Ecuador's first two performances. But somehow, they just they managed to, to do it, <laughs> you know. So, But yeah, no, I wasn't that impressed with Netherlands in that group stage, I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. Um, I thought Van Van Dyke did not look himself in the first couple of games. I didn't really like their setup in midfield. Um, obviously, Frankie de Jong is a good player, but I, there's just something about them that just just was was just not clicking. But I think the introduction of Memphis kind of gave them a little bit more going forward. But you know, we'll see. I mean, Chris, I'm, I'm not sure if you've watched him, but it's been not being made of uh, Cody Gapo. Um, you know, I think this is the first time that I think a lot of people have seen him sort of play, especially on the world stage. Um, would you would you say that he was probably the standout player for the Netherlands? I mean, that's not taking away anything from Memphis Depay because I thought Memphis kind of grew as the games went on into the um, stages, like as the three games went on. He got better, but obviously Cody Gakpo was obviously, I think, the standout player of the Netherlands team. Yeah, he was. Um, just a warning to any of the viewers: I'm, I'm just going to go. I'm, I'm going to just be brutal in this podcast. This is just all, all bets are off because I've got some sort of weird <laughs> thoughts on this one cut. But yeah, I mean, he he was, but I'm kind of with Femi. I haven't seen anything in the in the Dutch that has remotely impressed me yet. I just haven't like I, I, I think they they came through a that I mean, I hate to be controversial, but as you said, Qatar. I think the Pirates would have a game against them, and they don't exist anymore. Um, Ecuador, I thought were, were terrible, um, and you know they beat a, a good, uh, they they got a good draw to start off the, the tournament. And everyone went, oh, actually they're not bad. Come on, they they were pretty crap. Let's be honest. And the first good side they met, they they didn't get a good result out of it. Gakpo for me, there's a there's a bit of Anthony there in in terms of like you know everyone's talking about him being um, sort of a, a player Arsenal should look at etc. I'm not sure he's there yet. Do you remember when we played them in at the Emirates and he was completely anonymous? Mm. Um, I do I do think there's a player in there. Don't get me wrong, but I think he's got a long way before you know. I, I still think he's Southampton. Um, sort of West Ham level personally. I know Man United are having a look, but that's Man United. But yeah, he, he was he was probably their standout player, but I would say the goalkeeper probably had more of a say in that. Was it Knoppers? The guy who literally came out of nowhere and has started every game? Yeah. I think he's been really good. Um, Very. Just, so it's nothing against the Netherlands. I just, uh, even in that USA game, you know, they go behind that uh, second stage. We'll come on to that. But they go behind in that game. I'm not sure they get the result they do. Dumfries has, has, has looked pretty good as well. He was good in that um, in that, that round of 16 game. But yeah, overall, Gakpo's got, got the, 
Um, got the props, I guess, mainly because he scored. He's, he's been the only one scoring the goals. But um, yeah, they, nothing they've done really has blown me away yet. There's been no Bergkamp moments, um, which we might come on to as well. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of the same. I didn't. Um, that group was kind of as expected how it uh, ran out. So there's no surprises there. I'm going to stick with you, Chris, and talk about Group B, which was England, USA, Iran, and Wales. Um, I'm kind of shocked. <laughs> I'm kind of shocked that um, Wells were bottom on the group. I didn't expect Wells to qualify. If I'm really honest, I thought Wells would be third. And everyone, I guess, thought that Iran would be the whipping boys of the group. But clearly, they weren't. They beat Wells, which um, well deserved, actually, because Wells were really bad in that game. Obviously, England took the group two games, one draw. Um, I expected USA to do a little bit better. I know they drew with um, Iran and Wells. And they kind of, sorry, drew with England and um, Wells, sorry. I expected them to probably do a little bit better. I know they came second, but was there any surprises in that group, Chris, that you found? I mean, we'll talk about England later. Everyone loves them. Like, obviously, he's coming home, clearly. But um, of that, was you surprised that Wells came bottom of the group? <laughs> um, if I'm honest, no. Like, I hate, I hate to be that guy, but Wells were awful. Um and I and I say that with no like joy in my heart, as it were, because I did I did want them to get through the group, um, maybe even at England's expense, but whisper that quietly. But um, no, I just thought when you when you looked at that Wales side, they they've basically got two players, and both of them are are finished. You know, Ramsey is is sort of getting sporadic games for Nice. Bale has gone to retirement. You know, in in MLS, and that's nothing against MLS. I quite enjoy watching it, but he's not even getting regular starts for LA because of his fitness. You know, he's gone over there for a paycheck. Let's make absolutely no bones about that. And it, it just felt to me like Wales turned up with, you know, great, brilliant support and a dream. And that dream fell pretty early. And if you look at that group overall, I thought Iran were, I I actually thought Iran were worse than Qatar in that first game with England. They were so bad. And I do think there's probably, I think with Iran, there's probably a bit more, to it to the football than meets the eye. I think there's a lot more about what's going on in, in their home country and the well documented situation there with, with the women's rights, etc. So I I feel like they were quite distracted, which is maybe another subject we might touch on later on. But um and England took them apart and you know they were good. But again, I think us four would have put put together a decent run against that Iran side in the first game. And then the US I actually thought they stood out pretty well and I was rooting for them to get through they that they had that that midfield that three of McKenney, Musa, ex Arsenal by the way, and um, Tyler Adams who who's come out this tournament with with good good marks, and that sort of carried them in. If if the US can find a goal scorer, I, I do think they've got potential to you know to to climb the ranks. I don't think they're ever going to be you know World Cup winners. Uh, people are speculating could they could they challenge for their home World Cup in four years time. I think they're a bit a bit away from that, but if they had a proper goal scorer, um, they had probably the best goalkeeper in the world in Matt Turner, of course, in goal, um, and he had a he had a really good tournament. But yeah, they they impressed me in the group stage, and and I I actually thought in the England game, I thought they were a little bit unlucky not to take a bit more from that. Equally, I didn't feel like England really turned up in that game, so it's hard to judge sort of where they were. But as for Wales, yeah, I mean, it's it's just it's a shame because as I say, I'm not. Well, as you know, I'm not, you know, don't have any interest in the home nations at all. But 
Um, it was just a shame to see two once truly great players in Bale and Ramsey basically sort of retiring. And, and I, I think Bale said he's going to play on, but I, I can't see that going on much longer than a year because they didn't have a lot, did they? No, not at all. Danny, just want, did you watch any of the, the Group B games? I just want to ask your opinion on Matt Turner. What did you think of him? Because this is the first time we've kind of, obviously, see, we've seen him in the Europa League games, um, but obviously playing on a, on a world stage. What did you think of any performances, if you saw them? Um, I was thinking about who has been the, to use an Americanism, the standout player of the World Cup. And I think he may well have been one of them because Arsenal fans have been a little bit, iffy about whether he's any good or not. MLS fans say, don't worry, he, he was the best goalkeeper in MLS and he's going to turn out to be really good. And then after the performances that he's put in, in the group stages, then you think, oh, actually, it looks like... Remember when we bought... Um, uh, who was the Uruguayan that we bought uh, who got the ump and went? Torreira. Torreira. Remember when we bought Torreira just before the World Cup and when we were for 26 million, everyone went, oh, wow, we've got a bargain there. I think looking at the World Cup that Turner has had, I think we've got a bargain with him there because he's, he's a fan's favourite because so many Americans support Arsenal and, and he's done really well. Um, as for the games that I watched, I watched, um, I think I watched a little bit of England, USA, the first half. I watched the opening game, and then I watched the opening game with the the Ecuador one, and then I I think I watched uh, England Wales because we all know I got like like someone who's been in Vietnam, I got PTSD with anything that's Welsh thanks to Davis, and and I can't even look at a map with Wales on it before I get someone screaming at me to shut up. So uh, yeah, I, I had absolute delight in hammering Wales and Wales finishing bottom of the group and being overall one of the worst teams to play in the World Cup in many, many years. I'm absolutely delighted in all of that lot. And I've been quite surprised by how many goals England have scored and been quite impressed with Jude Bellingham until I saw a tweet from Chris that said people wetting their pants or something over, over just how amazing Bellingham is. But I've been really impressed by Bellingham and also our star boy. Saka getting getting goals that has been something I didn't expect to see because we all know that um, Gareth Southgate is a moron. Uh, we, I know you're going to talk about it in a bit, but that the the way that he starts football it reminds me of the trenches in World War One. Everybody one foot forward, left right, left right. Everybody one foot forward across the whole of the defence. Everybody one foot forward. You think, oh my god, it takes half an hour to get the ball past the halfway line, but it works. And we've seen that against the uh, the team that we played. Oh, I can't remember who we played in the next round. But uh, the, the, some of the games England have played have been very, very boring. And it's it's been... Oh, I watch them and turn them off. The only game I've watched all the way through was the, the Portugal one last night. Other than that, I've, I've watched bits of it. I've watched no highlights. Um, but I've uh, what I have seen has been quite good. So, uh, but... Yeah, I think we're going to talk about England and what they're going to do in the next round. But it's nice to see some of the the unknowns get through. I mean, uh, like Japan getting through and things like that. But yeah, it just doesn't feel right. I've, uh, most World Cups I get into this one, I'll, be, I'll watch every game from now on, though, Carl. Oh, you're so good, Danny. Um, <laughs> Femi, Chris touched on it just a second ago, saying that um, USA need a goal scorer. Haven't they got one in Balogun? Don't you think that? Within so the next World Cup is in the USA. Do you think by then Balogun will be uh, playing for the USA and probably starting? Uh, no, I don't think he's going to make the switch. Um, 
what is he, 21? He, so he's still eligible for England under-21s for this season and next season. Now, the thing with that is I don't see him switching while he's at England under-21. So the only chance anyone has, because obviously Nigeria got their eyes on him as well, the only chance that they have is once he finishes under-21 and he's in that gap between under-21 and first team, what are you going to do? So like with Eddie, for example... Eddie had the chance to play for Ghana in the World Cup and he really? literally just ignored their their request. He just didn't reply to it. Is it too so, late for Eddie to play? It's not, is it? Cause right, he's not... He can still play for Ghana, but what it is is, I mean, if he was going to, he would have done it to, to play at the World Cup, wouldn't he? So I, I'm sure mm. he's... Most of these England under-21 stars, they've got their eyes on playing for England first and foremost. Well, Eddie's never going to do that, is he? Yeah, well... It, I think it drives up their value is the main thing, isn't it? It drives up their commercial value, their sort of marketability, especially most of them don't leave the Premier League as well. So it kind of uh, drives up their earnings as well, uh, which is, I'm guessing, why they stay and play for England. But, I mean, why why wouldn't Flo go and play for USA? I mean, he he would probably get in the team most of the time. What do you think about the, the the legend? If if Eddie or or Flo go and play for England, then they're never going to be anything special. But if if Eddie no, went to play only, for, for mean, Ghana, look, he'd be a legend. We mean like Iwobi. Iwobi's English, isn't he? Was he born in England, or did yeah, he, he grow up? England. He yeah. went through the England system. Yeah, yeah, he plays for Nigeria, and he's he's going to be fantastic for them. If Flo goes and plays for the USA, he is going to be could, is legendary. Is that is that too big a word for him? He's going to be a star. Ten times as many games yeah. as you'll get for England because yeah. if you look I'd at the it. hierarchy in England, there's always one striker that England have. Whether it's Rooney, whether it's Lineker, whether it's uh, Shearer, whether it's uh, who's our guy now, Kane. Harry. Yeah. There's always one striker who will always play come heaven every situation. Shearer goes sixteen games one player, for England. That's why one player will always yeah, break the record. Yeah, one player will always break the record. So you've got players like Wilson, who, when England are 3-0 up, he can't even get on the pitch. Do you see what I mean? Even in Nations League game, he won't get on the pitch because Kane needs to break every record. So this is the nature of football. So then you, as a young player, have to decide, what do I want to do? Do I want to wait for my chance? But some of them back themselves, you know. They they back themselves to think, I'm going to be the best ever, like, I'm sure Eddie's still sitting there thinking I'm going to be so great that I can be an England regular. But, you know, these are the things that you got to think about. But USA not having a goal scorer, I think all their approach play was, was quite good. Um, I think Holland, though, did kind of let them punch their way <laughs> into submission. They, they let them play until they were tired, basically, knowing that they don't have that threat in behind that threat they had a um the striker that scored the goal my i've never heard of him before but i'm gonna look out for him because he was absolutely terrible i don't know there's some usa fans in the in the chat who what's his name had you right my days that guy was something special (laughs) (laughs) i'm look i'm looking out for him i need to find out where he plays (laughs) god All right, so we'll go on to uh, Group C now, which was Argentina, Poland, Mexico, and Saudi Arabia. 
Chris, would you like me and put a pound on Saudi Arabia beating Argentina and come away smiling? Because I did, and I came away smiling. <laughs> I didn't. I'll, I'll stress, but um, it was it, it was the first kind of really eyes on game of the World Cup, wasn't it? Really, it was the first mm. one you went, "Oh, bloody hell!" And they really deserved it. Like Argentina are, and my tip for for the World Cup and have been since the start. And I was questioning that after that first game. Um, yeah, I think I think they've they've got better as the tournament's gone on, but equally. They've got better because one man's got better, arguably two. But uh, we'll, we'll see how they go on against the Dutch when when the, the real test comes. But, yeah, that group was good. Um, the only downside to that group was that Poland got out of it because they are an absolute abomination and a disgrace <laughs> to football. Um, Lewin Disney is an absolute fraud. And I'm very glad they got put to the sword by a proper footballing nation in the second stage. I mean, genuinely, they, they were embarrassing. Um and I mean, any, I mean, any nation that has to has to actively call up Matt Cash as a first choice right back has to be questioned. Yes. Um, and if there's any Polish watching, I apologise, but even you know it's true, boys and girls. So let's not deny ourselves here. Your nation, uh, football-wise, or your international team is dreadful. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was an interesting group. Uh, sorry, give me that. Who is the other team in that group? That's how bad it is. Saudi Arabia, uh, Poland, Poland, and Mexico. Mexico, of Mexico. course, yeah, yeah. Mexico were um, were quite fun to watch them go around just kicking the shit out of people. That's pretty much all they had. Um, I was quite surprised that Vela and Hernandez were out of that team. I know they're getting on a bit, but I, I don't follow Mexican football closely enough. But I know their coach is um, Tata Martino, isn't he, a former Barcelona guy, and um, he's obviously looking to change things around a bit. So he he left them out. And the kid Vega that that they brought in, he was the one that stood out for me. And of course, they wheeled out Ochoa, who only turns up at World Cups every year. Um, but yeah, ultimately, once they played that Argentina game, I mean, I think they had a chance at qualifying at one point in the night or the final final group stage. But I think they needed to score one more, didn't they? And Argentina or Argentina needed to score one more against Poland. But it was kind of like fight it out, and it was is a bit of a shame to see the Saudi Arabians go out or the Saudis go out in the end. But then I sort of feel I don't know I feel a bit bad saying that because of what we know. But that's off the pitch, not on the pitch. So uh, and that goal that the um, I forget the Saudi he's the golden boy of Saudi Arabian football, isn't it? Al Sharan, is it Al Sharan? I think the chap who is going against. Yeah, the one against Argentina. I mean, that was that was a moment, and and you know they all got was it BMWs or Mercedes out of out of that game. So, you know, I I don't think they'll be too disappointed. Um, <laughs> just watching Danny try and inhale crisps is quite the <laughs> image. If you're not watching this live, uh, but yeah, overall it was it was an interesting start to the group that sort of ended in an interesting way as well with the, those final games. But ultimately. It's just a shame that probably the best two teams didn't get through it, which would have been Saudi Arabia and, and Argentina, who did. Yeah, it was um, it was an entertaining group because I think at the it was a last minute, wasn't it, a breakaway where Saudi Arabia got a goal against Mexico. Yeah, um, and they could have Mexico were obviously pressing men forward because they needed a goal and they got caught on the break, and it was just yeah. sad that um, that goal caused Poland to go through. But like you said, they. Uh, got walloped um, against the team that we're going to talk about now, Chris. I'm going to stay with you just for a little bit. Um, Group D, 
which was uh, France, Australia, Tunisia, and Denmark. Um, we'll talk about France in a second, but how disappointed was you with Denmark? I and mean, we talk about Denmark. Denmark are kind of the always the underdogs. They're always that team where you don't really know much about them, but they always manage to like get out of a World Cup group or make it to the World um, the 16 or make it to the quarterfinals if it's like the um, Euros. And the fact that they never won a, a game, what I thought was kind of shocking. I don't know if you just thought, oh, it's running the mill, but I thought Denmark, you looked at that group and you thought, okay, France are obviously going to win it, but you you would have had your money on Denmark coming second. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, t- t- there's two schools of thought on this. One, I was absolutely delighted they were terrible. Um, be- and for the main reason was because, I was talking to, to Jez, who I podcast with about France's chances, and we were both a little bit concerned that, that Denmark might actually win that group because they have held the Indian sign over France the past couple of meetings. Um, they came into this tournament as sort of quote-unquote dark horses. I think a few people thought they'd do well. Um the problem with Denmark is they turned into Switzerland in this tournament. Um, and I mean, the old Switzerland just defended, uh, had nothing in attack. I mean, I think they started the first game with, uh, was it, uh, who was the, was it Brathwaite? And I can't remember who the other striker is. He struck Cornelius, was it? I think, I think they might have done. Again, oh, the bloke who Ollie took to um, Cardiff for eight and a half million right. and they ended up selling uh, uh, about a year later. And then he was playing yeah. in Turkey. And I think he was at Villa briefly. And yeah, I mean, he, yeah, just again, Denmark, another team that if they, if, if like Haaland was Danish instead of Norwegian, they'd probably be all right. um, But haven't Denmark just gone back to being Denmark? They, Denmark were an average team, had a great Euros last time. And Mm. it's gone back to being what Denmark usually are, which isn't very good. A couple of flair players, but they're like Everton of the, the international world. I think overall, though, in the group, if you looked at that group on paper, you would have probably said, you know, France would have been expected to get through it, you know, as winners or or comfortably. Um, And then I think you would have picked uh, Denmark as the second team. Tunisia were were really good. I don't think you can read too much into the the France game because it was a completely changed, uh, you know, the whole France changed their entire lineup. Um, But they were really good in the opening game. And I think that's what caught Denmark unawares. And and as for Australia, I mean, they were just a breath of fresh air, weren't they? They they just came into it with sort of no fucks given attitude. Um, yeah, they were a little bit defensive, but they did it with a smile. Like they they did it with a team that were well organised. They weren't just lucky; they got through that group deservedly. And to be fair, I, I think they they took the lead in the first game with France. And I think if it they they always struggled once France equalised, they were always going to lose that game. But they looked in control at the early stages of that game and, and they impressed quite a lot of people and deservedly got through. So fair play to them. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Femi, obviously, France were the standout team and obviously Mbappe and Giroud were the standout players. I was a little bit worried about France, me, just their midfield. And I don't want to say that France's midfield was based on two players, obviously, Pogba and um, Kante, who never made the World Cup squad because of injuries. But I looked at that France midfield and I thought their defence was very, very good. But to the attack, obviously the attack is is brilliant. But I just thought the midfield, I, I genuinely thought they would struggle in the midfield a little bit. Um, and they've come out uh, well. Um, what did you think of, I mean, like Chris said, obviously the, the Tunisia game, I feel, I don't want to sort of brush it to say it was a good change team because obviously football is a, is a team sport and 
France individually, you look at their players and you think they're absolutely brilliant. And um, you would have thought they would have beaten that Tunisia team, but the Tunisians, they, the Tunisians, they just kept on going and it just didn't stop. And I think once they got the goal, they were just really, really happy. But um, did you think that? Did you look at in the group? Obviously, Australia, the the surprise package. But seeing how that group is, was you surprised that Denmark like not winning the game? Yeah. Um, I mean, Euro, what, what were they, semi-finalists? Or, what, what, what did they get to in the Euros? Semi-final, didn't they? And they lost to England the in the semis. Yeah, they mm. lost to England in the semis. Yeah. And they were really good. And that was without Ericsson. So, you you know, you thought, let's add Ericsson to this, you know, team that was doing well. I mean, a lot of people had them as dark horses um, pre-tournament. Um, I mean, what... what the, the the thing that actually is really good and surprising about this, and, and I'm I'm guessing it covers a lot of the groups, is you notice that once teams started making changes to like their preferred lineups, you saw the big drop off, and that's actually really encouraging in football. That it, it, it football is about chemistry, isn't it? it? And it's more of a team sport now than ever. You know, when you're saying there's no there's some individual brilliance in the tournament, like Mbappe and a, um, a few messy performances. And But what we're seeing more about football is it's more about structures and, and, and organisation and, and the way that the team plays. And you notice that because we didn't have um, a pre-tournament games, a lot of the players that came in in that third game, they're just coming in cold, basically, not not any connection to the team. And it just shows you that it, 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 even if you're a good, really good player, or you know, uh, like um, what's what's his name, Kamavinga, Kamavinga is it? Yeah, playing mm. him at left back. I mean, it, he's going to struggle, isn't he? Just just because he's a good player, if he's played out of position or he's not played. So when you you know when we watch Arsenal, we see those Europa League teams just just struggle to play any sort of decent football. It just goes to show, doesn't it, that you just can't throw eleven players together and and say, you know, just go and play. It, it just it just never works. And we saw that countless times so far in this World Cup, especially in a lot of those third games. That the motivation has to be up, but also the teamwork has to be up, and that's why you see some teams like Australia. I mean, teamwork is is what gets them. I couldn't even name a single, maybe the defender, the, the, the tall defender who was pinging balls left, right and centre was was a standout player. But majority of it is just team. USA is, is team, midfields and structures. So it's, it's really encouraging actually to see that in football now. And talking about teams like and structures that you're saying, I think we'll just quickly run on to Group E, uh, which was Japan, Spain, Germany and Costa Rica. Um I'll stick with you just quickly about Germany. Um, that's so that's now, I think, two World Cups now when Germany haven't made it out the group stage. I think it happened last year, didn't it? Um, they didn't make it out the group. Sure they didn't? Yeah. Um, not last year, sorry, last World Cup, they didn't make it out of the group, and it's happened again this year. Um, you looked at, when Germany won the World Cup, you looked at their structure, and I think every single team in the world we're looking at them and thinking Germany's now the blueprint. Germany's the what we want to base our structure on. I think even England said it. They want like literally players to come from the under twenty ones and get used to playing with each other and then make it into the the senior team. And 
from doing that. And Germany just haven't done that in the last um, two tournaments. Even in the Euros, let's be honest, they were kind of poor then. Um, what's happened to German football? Like, what's where has it gone so wrong? See, I think if you look at German football, there's a few teams actually like this where there's some, they're kind of stuck between going all the way, as in there's some older guards that they could have replaced that it wouldn't have changed that much of their performance, but it might have given them something extra. For example, Manuel Neuer is an excellent goalkeeper, you know, made some excellent saves, but he made some ricks in the tournament as well. Now, what's the difference between playing Manuel Neuer and playing uh, Testegen? What difference would it have made? But you get a younger, more agile, athletic keeper in there who could play, you know, last World Cup, you know, this World Cup and the next one. So they're, they've kind of got to that stage where other, you know, where, where England were, where they should have pushed a few more players out. For example, um, what's their striker's name? Um, our good friend, the, the, the go for it, Chris. You're going to help me out here. Uh, as in, uh, as in, full Thomas, Thomas, no, Thomas Muller. Oh, Thomas, Thomas Muller. Muller. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. What yeah. did he? What did he offer them in this tournament? He offered them absolutely nothing. So, number one, they they obviously have a striker problem in Germany. They just do not produce number nines. The only number nine that they might have missed in this tournament is um, Timo Werner, but. We've all seen Timo Werner a hundred times. And I mean, he's flaky at best, to be honest with you. So they just don't produce number nines. Then they have a whole load of midfielders who are, as far as I'm concerned, being played, some of them, out of position. So you've got um, Musiala playing out wide where he should be playing, where Thomas Muller was playing. You know, all these little things that you would have thought that um, Hansi Flick would have, not inherited from his predecessor. He brought them basically from the last tournament into this tournament. So it, it's it's kind of like just they were in that heart. And I think Spain were to a lesser extent in that kind of in-between as well, where they're kind of playing that old Spain football, but it, no striker again. They just don't have a, a centre forward. And it's a, actually a theme in this World Cup. There's just the lack of young number nines in world football is is absolutely frightening to be honest with you there's a lot of nice forwards but number nines and i think germany and spain totally lacked that killeristic top front do you remember before we we did a podcast um i think it was me and chris and might have been carl before the world cup started and i made a point i went i reckon the teams that are going to do well in this world cup teams that have got a striker i think that's the only decent point i've ever made about a world cup people go back and listen to it feel free to clip it and share it with all the the, the pundits i said unless i look for all the teams with no striker no you need a goal scorer and so many teams haven't got goal scorers and you look at the teams that have got goal scorers mainly france that's why france are going to win the world cup or france, it's going to be a france brazil final argentina have been uh they've, they've just been terrible they fluke their way through England's what top goal scorer is Kane. What's he got? One goal, so mm. that's why they're not going to be able to do it. It's going to come back down to like like it was in the old days. All these tricky flair players. I remember Spain have won it with a tiki tacky, and then someone put on the paper the other day. It's gone from tiki taka to TikTok because of the the style of players that they've got. But unless you're good, unless you've got a someone who's going you can rely on for goals, you ain't going to do it in this World Cup. 
Chris, was you surprised at the downfall of Germany and how bad they've been the last three tournaments? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I was. I mean, I, I thought I thought they would get through the group. Um, I guess what you'd say is Dash Deuter Talenta Scheiletta, which I think means the German talent failed failures. I think that's what it means. Um, forgive me, my overseas languages are not the best these days. But yeah, I they don't they don't have a striker, which we've already said about other teams. So Danny's right on that. Don't like Danny to be right, but he is right on that Someone one. Clip that. Uh, but also, I feel like. Germany are kind of in transition, almost where the Spanish were before this tournament. Like they're still they're still sort of finding their feet. That that centre back pairing of Schlotterbeck and Sule didn't really work either. They were pretty kamikaze in in one of the games. I think it was. He's awful, Sule. Like he's an absolute awful defender. He's one of those that he's very good like going to win the ball but you get him turned and he's absolutely useless and it's weird because he actually for a big guy he, he has got a decent amount of pace but um yeah he he's once he's running back towards his own goal awful um i feel like they need to move on from Neuer. i think fan made a good point stegen has been consistently one of the best keepers in europe for a number of years now um they need to move on from muller agreed musiala was was the one that really lit up there sort of fortunes um he does look like a a player who's benefited from going going overseas as a youngster um as Gnabry and and Sane you know they they flatter to deceive a bit I sort of feel like they're both very good at Bayern Munich because of the players that are around them but you put them amongst sort of some German players and you go mm, are they actually that good and then the one striker they found in in Fulkrug who's been tearing it up for for uh, Werder Bremen this season he comes on, he saves them in a game, and what's his reward? He doesn't start the next one, which no. you know, like that's the thing. Um, I feel, I feel like Hansi Flick is one of those coaches that he sort of um, he tries to out pep himself, if you know what I mean. Like he, I, I think he overthinks things a bit. Um, but yeah, G- Germany, they're, they're one of those teams you can never rule them out, and probably by the next World Cup they'll be one of the favourites again. But to go out in back-to-back tournaments is is not very German, is it? It's not very, it's not very um, what we're used to. They they usually quite quite a good bet to get to the last stages, regardless. But again, they they need a goal scorer. It's weird having Klinsmann in the in the um, the the commentary box or in the the pundits box. And aside from him basically upsetting the entire country of Iran. Um, <laughs> they could have done with him out on the pitch because you think of the strikers Germany have had over the years, like him, Gerd Muller, Rudy Voller. Like, I mean, some of their strikers over the years, even even Closer and um, Beerhoff, if you remember that far back. No, I'd have Beerhoff, yeah. They've had some fantastic strikers, and right now they just don't really have one. Adeyemi is probably one that, if if he kicks on, he's got potential because he's what you call like the more of a modern day centre forward, quick direct um you know young he's got youth on his side if they can build around him and and musiala in the 10 then they'll be they'll be better by the next world cup but yeah they had a pretty stinking tournament overall but i would say about germany like you said the one thing about germany is they have a production line of just endless talent Mm. so their players their young players do get a chance in their league so you you do see you know you'll see musiala there's the other player at dortmund he's quite is he 17 or 18? He was on the bench, wasn't he? I don't know if he yeah. got a game. 
that's another one. So there's all, they always produce talent. So like you said, Germany next tournament. You're me. That's me. We Makoko. Yeah, yeah. So by next tournament, he'll be he'll be. They always have players that are just they just roll out players. So you never know what their cycle could be next next mm. tournament. No, I agree, and and they're hosting um, the next Euros, aren't they? So, oh yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Completely forgot. I keep forgetting there's Euros in two years. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah these tournaments are coming thick and fast. Um, right, so quickly we move on to Group F: Morocco, Croatia, Belgium, and Canada. Um, have we seen the the golden era of Belgium football disappear, like into the ether? Because they were really bad as well. Um, and we've just come out. I don't know if anyone's seen the news today that uh, Eden Hazard is uh, quit international football. Uh, obviously, he's given up. Um, there's talks of Thierry Henry and Thomas Vermaelen taking over as the uh, head coach of uh, Belgium. Uh, Chris, first of all, um, have we have we seen the golden era of um, Belgian football disappear? Well, well. First of all, Eden Hazard, as Eden Hazard, is the first player to retire from international football three years after he retired from domestic football. <laughs> I was so, going to uh, make that point. <laughs> <laughs> credit where credit's due. There, um, and and genuinely, aside from him being a, a Chelsea player, which naturally means you know that I dislike him. But when he was in Lille, I mean, I don't know if you remember, but he's one of the famous. I could have had him Arsene Wenger signings. We, we were looking at him when he was at Leo. And you know, as a as a younger player and a fit player, he was he was a, a joy to watch, even at Chelsea, let's be honest. He was pretty bloody good. And then he just ended his career, which was which was lovely of him. But um yeah, it's a shame, but yeah, they need to move forward. I mean, any defense that's got Jan Vertongen and Toby Odeverald in it still. Um, after they were last relevant four years ago. I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, th- there's there's so many good players in that team. But when I when I saw that Michi Bashwai was their starting centre-forward, um, you know, albeit because Lukaku was uh, on fraud, uh, sorry, injured, um, that said it all in the first game. And I know he scored, but he tried his best to miss against Canada in that opening game. Um, and then we, we had that moment with, with Lukaku, didn't we? Who, you know, I, I, I am... My heart is with Inter. I've always, like John, I've always followed Inter as my Italian team. Um, but even at Inter, he's a fraud. He was a fraud at Chelsea. Ah. He was a fraud at West Brom. He was a fraud at Everton. Uh, and he's basically been a fraud his entire career. And I don't I mean, rate if you went back through your, your Twitter timeline, fraud Kaku is probably, like, yeah. my, my most used word is K-U-N-T. And yeah. your one's going to be Ford Kaku because it's, 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 it's been a camp, 15 year campaign. It, it certainly would have been for a while, yeah. And I remember like when he went to Man United and I had so many people on my time like, oh, what do you think? No, he's going to be quality. Uh, really? How did, how did that work out, guys? How, how did that go? Um, you know, he's it, it, 10 years ago, he'd have been brilliant because he, he was that style of centre forward. But those big centre forwards, they only work in, in Italian, you know, football or, you know, sort of football where you require a big forward. Um, and yet, part of me felt sorry for him because he clearly wasn't fit. But genuinely, like any of us four, even you, Danny, could have put one of those chances away. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, you know, I just don't think. And and again, Mar- and Mar- Roberto Martinez is a massive fraud. But if, if Lukaku's not fit, don't take him. Like, it's that simple. Mm. So, 
They had Charles de Ketelaar who they could have played. I know he's not been brilliant for AC Milan, but he's he's sort of one of the next generation. They've got good players, you know, youth level. But yeah, just look at that team. Witzel, another one, has to go. Like Thomas Munier has been pretty average for Dortmund for the last three seasons, starting at fullback. Um, did they have Mignolet in goal this tournament? I think they did. Um, you know, no, it's just... Have, oh, um, no, sorry, Courtois, don't they? Yeah. Courtois, Why do you yeah. think Mignolet was in? Uh, but Mignolet's still part of the setup, and And even Courtois, I mean, how he conceded that goal, was it directly from the corner? Uh, they, he, had, he had a moment, didn't he, where it got ruled out for offside the first one from Zayech, and then he conceded almost the identical goal later on in that tournament. And Courtois is a bloody good goalkeeper. So what that says to me is that he's not the same goalkeeper. He hasn't got the faith in his defence in front of him at, at international level. So... Um, yeah, it's a very long-winded answer, but in short, Belgium were were dreadful. They stunk the, the gaff up, and glad to see the back of them because Henri, I'm not sure. I don't know if that's going to be the answer, but they they need to go back and really have a look at at everything that they've got because that golden generation died four years ago. Let alone this summer. Yeah. You know what it is as well, Martinez. For all these tactical things, he also tries to protect himself as well. Mm. All these choices that you're talking about is about a manager being safe, a manager not taking risks. Like you're saying, they do have, you know, crops of young players. Maybe not as good, but the same thing like I said with Germany, what is the point of playing those centre-backs that are 80 years old between them? Or I don't, I don't know how they are. Like, what is the actual, you know, what is the point of playing some certain players when you could have, even if you mix the match like France have done with um, Varane, not that he's old, but, you know, an experienced and a young defender, you know, you've just wasted, they basically wasted the tournament, you know, mm. playing Batshuayi and all of all of this stuff that he, and it was just to protect himself, you know, if he was, this is why international managers, you know, change so much or rotate because your your job also is to, you know, bring on the next generation. The, the only manager that I've actually, even though I don't really like him as a manager, that's kind of done that is the Portugal manager. Look what, what he's done, the way he's mixed and blended with, you know, that core, kind of older core. And he, you see the core of players that he's he's brought through and they're mm. still bringing through players. That's what you're supposed to do as a manager. And did they call up, I don't, I can't even remember, I didn't remember looking at their squad, but did they call up Vut Weiss at... Um... Uh, Leicester, he's Belgian, isn't he? I think he was on the bench, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and and since so. he's since he's come into Leicester, oh, the they the barely, yeah, they yeah. barely the, the the budget David Luiz, he was <laughs> he was fantastic in France before I'm he sure signed he was on the, in the squad. I'll double check. Yeah, I, th- I think he was. Double check that, but yeah, um, I mean, he he should have been a shoe in. Like, just he he's literally single handedly trans- transformed Leicester's defense by being a front foot active defender stepping out and making key interceptions. And yeah, he is a little bit, ironically, he is a bit David Luiz. He's a little bit sort of, you know, makes the odd error, but he's been brilliant. Lester barely conceded a goal since he's gone in there and they were basically relegated at one point of the season. So yeah, I mean, you, you know, you play the players in form. He is. He um, was on the bench. Voight Feiss. Boot Feiss. Yeah. And and they've got, Feist. they've got other players. Feist. Jeremy Doku, I think was injured for this tournament. He, he, no, and he's he was flattered on the bench to, as well. He oh, he was. On. Okay. Yeah, he's he flattered. He's flattered to deceive at, at, at uh, Ren, but he is, you know, he's a raw sort of product, raw talent. I think Onana got games, didn't he? The Everton boy. Um, and they got Lavia, they got CK. Um, 
what's the lad called? Uh, I think it's I think it's Vrax. I think I think that's how you pronounce it. Vrax. I think he's playing in the Belgian league. They've got young players, um, and I know. Yeah, you don't just throw them all in at once, but at least sort of you know, when you when you're picking that centre back partnership. I mean, what are you what are you thinking? That is just the turning circle of the Titanic. I'm still laughing over retired three years after he's gone. <laughs> it was low hanging fruit, to be fair. But, yeah. No, it's obvious as well. <laughs> I guess the surprise of that group was Morocco, and anyone who's seen Morocco play, especially yesterday's game, which we'll touch on uh, later on, they were absolutely brilliant. Like it, Morocco were a breath of fresh air. The way um, they play, I mean, you know, there's, there's um, is it Ziyech who can't get a game at Chelsea, but you know, mm. you, you give him time to flourish on Morocco. He's been absolutely brilliant. Akimi again. Um, Akimi, he's the best right back. Excellent. In the world. Like he's yeah. absolutely excellent. Like even throughout the tournament, not just yesterday's game, but throughout the tournament, he's been absolutely brilliant. And you know, I think it's it's really good to see. You know, not just no one wants to see just South American and European teams get through. I think it's really good um, that some African teams got through. You know. Um, Morocco got through, uh, and Senegal got through, which is obviously, uh, I know they're out now, but it's good to see them get through. Tunisia obviously just missed out. Um, so I, I guess Morocco, um, Chris, were they kind of like, did you think they were going to top the group or did you think it was going to be Belgium and Croatia that was going to go through of that group? Yeah, hand on heart, I thought... Um, I thought Croatia would, would get through top and I, th- I thought Belgium would squeak it just because I thought they couldn't be that bad. Um, but yeah, uh, Morocco, they, they, they've surprised me. I'll put it that way. They have surprised me. But when you look at that squad, they've got a lot of very good players. <laughs> the, the one that's really amused me is Sofian Buffal because if, you, if you'd seen the Sofian Buffal I have, uh, particularly at Angers, where who are bottom of Ligue 1 right now, and he he was the player who went to Southampton and sort of stank it up for six months. He's one of those, I think, what they call a mercurial talent. You know, where you you know they've got it in the locker, but they often just can't be asked. And he's just a classic. I guess he kind of was what Pepe was to Arsenal. You know, you could see the ability was there, but it just was. It just never. He never showed it enough. But. um yeah, on his day, Buffal's brilliant, and he's he's carried that forward line. Like you say, Ziyech is is kind of one of those players that blows hot and cold. But I think it's the coach. Um, is it Zabaragi, Zagaragi, something like that? Um, but he came in like out of nowhere. I think he won the Casablanca League or something stupid, like completely random. It's not a stupid league, but a completely sort of stupid, like in our view, like, tournament, I guess. Um, and then he took over there, and and apparently like the players love him and he's just he's just sort of formulated this togetherness and, and they've That's obviously how they got, got... Zayich back isn't it and I think a couple of the others um, yeah fallen out of the last manager heard that yeah five. Zayich was saying that, that he I think his quote was that he would you know he would die for the current manager that's how much he loves him and and although he is a bit of a moody twat he sort of said you know if there's anything this manager asked me to do I'll do it and and the bollocks on on uh, Hakimi yesterday <laughs> to do that, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean he he's the best fullback in the world right now. I think um, he was, you know, how Real Madrid never took up the option to keep him is beyond me. But he's he's a classic story, and the goalkeeper Bunu has been has been really good for Sevilla. Yeah. Plays for, um, but he wasn't very good in the last penalty shootout they had. I think it was the last tournament in the African Cup of Nations. He didn't save one, 
well he made up for that yesterday big time and they were good saves as well like they weren't just you know they weren't sort of um poor penalties apart from Busquets wasn't that particularly good but yeah what what a good good story to for an African nation to get through and um I'd love to say that I'd like to see them get through further and they will come on to that game I think this is probably where the journey will end but fair play to them um they've done it in their own unique way but they've taken African football on to another level and fair play to them yeah, every game to get uh, from Africa to get to that stage aren't they mm. And every game they've played has been like a home game. Yep. They have packed out the stadium. Only them and Argentina have packed out every single game. Argentina, I don't know how their fans have got that many tickets. I'm not <laughs> even going to lie to you. Because I put in for loads of tickets for the World Cup, and I only got one. <laughs> what game is that for? It's quarterfinal, isn't it? What is it? This this week. I've which got which game? clearly not going am i <laughs> it would have <laughs> been uh, <laughs> it would have been uh, well, i could still go i don't know it would have been uh what's this friday night netherlands argentina funny enough yeah funny enough i should have sold my tickets to them they would have snapped that up they, they've been oh, hoovering up all the tickets argentina friends morocco had so many fans they had to go and celebrate at both ends when they won <laughs> that's just amazing but it's not a far journey for them is it no, no the north end of Africa, that's the top end of yeah. Africa, isn't it? So, yeah, it's not too bad. And that's why, well, touching it yesterday, it was almost like a derby, Morocco and Spain, because they literally yeah. almost touched each other, aren't they? Um, Group G, Brazil, Switzerland, Cameroon and Serbia. Um, Brazil, I can't just touch on something really, really quickly. Um, football was a game where you're supposed to enjoy you know, you're supposed to have fun. You're supposed to watch oh. it and smile. We're going to clash people here. want to fucking dance on a football pitch, <laughs> fucking let them dance. What the hell? Like, Could not you know disagree what? more. These dinosaur <laughs> views. Um, these dinosaur views of, like, I don't, I personally think it was taking a piss. And I guess, do you know what I look at it is if we were falling up against Spurs, and Gabriel Jesus done a little dance. I'd, we would be, I'd be encouraging it. And if, if Mikel Arteta wanted to come and do the moonwalk on the pitch, <laughs> I would absolutely love it. Like, Not I, in those I, shoes. I, but no, but I just think that I, I don't know. Like, so you don't you agree with me, Chris? I, I'll, I'll go and t- I'll ask you why don't you agree with me? I'll, I'll, I'll keep it brief because I know you want to get on to the the rest of the group. The, the, the only thing I've got to say is for for me. It, it It is, and I'll freely admit, this is my age talking. So I'm probably in the Roy Keane school. I don't have an issue with goal celebrations. I'm not part of the celebration police and the whole, you know, that Wolves situation we had at club level and everything. I just think that, and I know it's part of the Samba culture, etc. cetera. Uh, I just find it very cringe. That That's that's my issue. And I just you think imagine. like... Roberto, World Cup 94, come on. Well, yeah, but that was but, but this, that's but this, legendary. But this is my issue. It was one celebration. Did Brazil really need to do two celebrations for every goal? Not really. And well. and, I, and I just feel like it's a bit like um, I can only speak for this sort of from Neymar's point of view. But Neymar has has garnered this sort of reputation, particularly in France, as being a bit of a piss taker. In that you know he's coming up against players that are way below his level, and he gets done doing rainbow flicks and all sorts. And he, and he encourages some of these tackles that he, you know, he, uh, he gets and, and obviously gets injuries because of them. And I just think that like, 
I just I just feel like the, the the main things that made me cringe the most they got a 60 year old coach getting involved that was really cringe like we didn't need that um and and more to the point if you beat you know france england uh, argentina in the world cup final no worries south korea were absolute dog shit like i'm sorry uh, and you know and forgive me for battering a team with son in it um but they were dreadful they were so poor and i i actually like south korea and i was way behind them you know when they didn't have son but um they are a team i liked i like to see the asian countries go far and i was rooting for japan as well but on the night you know brazil it was like kicking away a blind man's stick and it's like given it all that if i'd have been one of those career players i would have lumped every single one of those brazilians up in the air several times and i i don't know i just think it's a bit when the stage is right, go for glory. No worries. And, and again, at the risk of sounding like Roy Keane, what happened to the celebrations? Like, I remember iconic celebrations, Toto Scalacci racing off, you know. Um, I'm trying to think of other sort of major ones. Even the Klinsman dive back in the day. Like, they're the moments of, of instant impact. But when you've got players like doing a full dance and then like taking a pause and then another group getting together and doing another little dance. And then uh, yeah. it's expected from Brazil because of the Samba way of life that they Mm. do. And if they didn't do it, people go, I feel I've been a bit robbed there and they are brilliant. So they're Mm. allowed to take the piss. Again, it's just just me being an old bastard. Like I'm I'm fully, (laughs) I fully admit that it's just, I, and the older I'm getting, the more I'm the same with skill moves. Like, you know, if if you, if you do a rainbow flick over my head, I'm going to put you in rosette. I don't give a shit. If I get a red card, I'll punch you in the face. Like (laughs) I can't stand it. Like, but when I was young or if I was a cage footballer, I'd probably would love it as well. But I just don't personally like it. But again, that's just my view. Um, and, and I did I did think some of the memes that have come out of this Roy Keane thing have been hilarious. Like the Rudolph one, that tickled me. I don't know if you saw that. He's just like, he's like, uh, he's like Rudolph um, flouncing around with a bright, shiny nose. Just get on with the job at hand. It's Christmas. Do your job. <laughs> showboating <laughs> just i just thought that was that was funny but no i just yeah it, it's just not my cup of tea um and and for the record no issue with the whole vinicius jr like doing the dance to protest against what happened to him that's different because that's making a statement but i don't know it's just it's just not Is my the cup one of who tea. got the hump because he found out he, last season he was given year old boots or something who did we do one of the Brazilian players who plays for I think Real Madrid or, or said uh, he's on he's, he's on strike or something to do with the celebrations or the boots because he found it was given a year um, these boots were a year out of date. He's just realised from last season or this season. Oh, I last season's that. boots. I mean, who cares? I right? dreamt that. Oh, one other quick thing for a hand to Femi on this. Um, I I can't enjoy any team that has Richarlison in it. I'm sorry, I, uh, I can't. Really I, I, I can't. He I, and apparently off the pitch, he's a lovely guy. Don't care, can't stand him. His just his face. Oh, him and Son him. are there two more hateable faces than those two? Nope. I fucking hate them. And that pigeon. Give shit, me Son. That. Give me Son tears. Oh, Rio Ferdinand's face, I hate because it's attached to the rest of him. <laughs> uh, Femi, was you kind of surprised that obviously after he was always going to be between Cameroon and Switzerland, he made it out of the group. Are you surprised that? sort of Cameroon didn't do a little bit better? Um, I don't know. 
the thing with the African teams is, I mean, I've, I mean, I, I watch, I try and watch Af, African Nations Cup, and it's it's pretty similar. Like a lot of very low scoring games. Um, that's what you get in, especially in the group stages in the African Nations Cup, and I think that's the kind of they kind of released a little bit this tournament, didn't they? A few of them uh, once they lost the first game without scoring they kind of came out all guns blazing so that the game that they drew 3-3 with Serbia there's no mm. way Cameroon should should have been drawing that game i mean there were there were uh what were they 1-0 up uh, on the 45th down. yeah, yeah. In the 45th minute they were 1-0 up by the time they you turn around they were <laughs> they were 2 3 one down by the beginning of the second half and you know they did well to come back but you know, once that happened, it's that's what I mean by these groups. They're really weird the way that just single goals and single results just swung it. You know, just just because Switzerland beat Cameroon one nil, that's basically why they went through because they won the second game. So it's it's all very weird and very tight um, in these groups. I mean, Switzerland ended up with the same points as Brazil. You wouldn't have thought that if someone told you, would they? So it's it's all up and down um, with these groups. Once, once that's why I like uh, this format is quite good when when this stuff like that happens. You know, I don't know what the crazy format they're trying to come with the next. I, I, I don't know if you lot have seen it. The, the new group format stage, they're trying to come yeah. with. They're all in one it's stage, like, aren't they? Like the Champions. No, league. it's like three teams three in a teams. group. Three yeah, teams three. Of, and like I think it's something stupid like twelve groups or something. 363 like groups, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's going to so be harder like, to not qualify than it is to qualify. Yeah. I think we're going to have like the top, yeah. or something. The top two was, in the in the group go through to the round of next round or whatever. Scotland might weird. even get into this one, potentially. Uh, not enough. You'd have to get everyone in there. But I'm surprised. I didn't realise because I took no notice. There's no, um, there's no Norway, no Sweden, no Nigeria, no Colombia. All the teams that make the World Nigeria. Cup special. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many that I thought, well, how didn't they qualify? But Australia moved from the Oceania group through to another group, to didn't Asia. they? To Which Asia, is, I yeah, think that's, yeah, why would they do that? Yeah, I, because the, the combo, even if they didn't move, I mean, their, their Oceania gets like half a place, so they still had to do a, a playoff yeah, with, the Solomons with another, and like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. So I think, and I think it's still working the same kind of way where there's 48 teams and it's, tournament but the way that they're being handed out is, is really weird um yeah more it? teams the better it's nice for a, uh, for a player to say i, I played uh, uh didn't no, trinidad no. get to the the world cup a few years ago yeah they played it yeah. yeah um yeah so i think those players they're only ever going to do it once and then that's going to make your your career as a footballer to go i played for i represented my country at the world cup so i mean i like it there's going to be more teams more people can say i've played at the world cup and it's just more of a celebration of football rather than just the same old boring team like belgium getting there and and failing to live up to it so yeah, i look forward I heard, to it i heard that, but we have had a really exciting group stage more than usual this year and that's because mm-hmm. the gap in the world football is kind of closing I don't know if, it, if that's what a lot but of people if you, think. I'd, I'd be well up for like 
more teams, but I don't want the groups of three because I feel like that's so yeah, sort of yeah, Scottish. So is it one and two go through yeah. from each group, or is it one yeah. go yeah. and the first I goes think, through and the next one is a playoff? Or you've got like it's very it's very Europa Conferency oh, three I groups, isn't it? If if you keep it to four teams per group and you maybe seed it, that will be interesting. Yeah. Is if they said right, we're going to have, you know, we're going to split it into um, UEFA, CAF, CONCACAF, and you basically had like say four groups of four from all the different localities of, of fifa i guess around the world um and then you said right the, the top two nations go through and then there's a playoff between the three or say four of the best third places or whatever and then you act and then you actively have a team that can progress through a bracket that's like dare i say like the less lesser bracket so you have almost like two world cups going on at the same time and then the best team of the worst pot if you will have a chance at getting to a quarterfinals or a, a last 16. That would be interesting. I don't know how it logistically would work. Um, I mean, I'm sure if you pay fee for enough money and slip them a few brown envelopes, they'll make it work for you. But Allegedly. Um, allegedly. But, um, yeah, it, it would be interesting and it would be nice to see more teams in it well, if we all, you do it the right way. Yeah, we know why they're doing this anyway, because they are dead scared money. of the South American teams mm-hmm. joining the Europa Conference League, which is looking like they are desperately trying to do yeah if you <laughs> got i do not want that to happen if you get the libertadores teams joining the champions league they are screwed because the money in that is going to be huge yeah. but um yeah but no i mean it's yeah it's, it's a great idea what you don't want with the greatest respects um being somebody who who loves malta for example you don't want a team not of Malta's size, but you, you don't want a Malta in a group with Germany, Spain, and, you know, Argentina. Like, that's what you yeah, don't want. Yeah, because you just know what's going to happen. Exactly. But if you've got a group which is almost like one of the few things the Nations League's done well, where you've actually got teams like San Marino playing against Luxembourg, playing against, okay, yes, it's a bit purist to tune in for those games, but some of them have been really good. And again, speaking from experience of what I've seen with with Malta, they I think they got a draw with Greece fairly recently. Um, I think they beat they beat a decent nation. It might have been Czech Republic. Someone they had a decent result against. You know they are improving as a result of this. San Marino will always be pretty terrible, bless them. But you got clubs, uh, uh, world teams like Gibraltar who have formed. There's talk of Catal- Catalonia being a team now, isn't there? So. Like that's how you improve the lesser teams, but you have to keep them away from the bigger teams until they earn the right, I guess, to come through it. And then you say, right, well, if you get through that, then you end up losing 12-0 to Argentina, so be it. But yeah, you can't have those in the main groups, I don't think. No, I agree. Um, we'll do Group H very, very quickly, which is Portugal, South Korea, Uruguay and Ghana. Um, I guess have we got- looking at that, have we got permission to talk about Portugal? Do we need to give Cristiano a call and just check he's all right with it first? I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, obviously they've gone through and he's um, he doesn't celebrate with his team. He's, his career is going out really sad. We're touching, it's embarrassing, touching him in a second. It? Yeah, but um, I guess everyone, well, I was at least, I'm sure Femi was as well, was waiting for that Uruguay Ghana game um, because that was the build up and the hype. And watching that game. I, I watched that game obviously for everything. And how Andre are you, or both the are you brothers are professional footballers? I do not know. Like, I genuinely don't know. Um, and Thomas Partey was really, really bad in that game. Like, I don't. I hope he's not carrying an injury, but he was not very good in that game. Um, 
that group was an absolute mess like um <laughs> because it just didn't that group for me just didn't make sense at all like because you had t yeah you had just like everyone beating everyone and teams like drawing and just like what like i guess the best thing that i saw um obviously was when uruguay didn't qualify and seeing luis suarez's tears is almost as good as seeing uh human song's tears but uh, that was brilliant. But that group for me was just an absolute shambles of a group. It's exciting, of course it was. Um, but yeah, for me, that group was just a very nonsense group. And it was a shame that Ghana didn't do very well. Um, I guess it's good from an Arsenal point of view because Thomas Partey can go for his little two-week break and then obviously join the squad back and protect him at all costs. Um, it was always good seeing Luis Suarez cry because Luis Suarez, for me, he's a, he was a good footballer. He's getting old now. He's kind of losing it, but um, he's just a prick, isn't he? Like, let's be honest with you. Um, but Portugal... Um, <sighs> Portugal, one of those teams, they're an enigma... Don't you feel, um, Danny? And I come to you. Like you, you look at them, and on paper, you look at their team, and you think, "Oh, they've got some really good players. They've got some a mix of, you know, old players and um, players kind of in their prime of their career. And they've got some young players coming through." But you just, we're looking at Portugal. You always feel like they're just one disaster away from not winning anything. I don't know why. Like you never look at a Portugal Portugal game and think, "Oh yeah, they're definitely going to win that game," because you just don't know what kind of Portugal going to turn up. Yeah, they. Um, I think when you are that famous for being a one man team, then uh, everything comes down to that one person, and then people t- begin to believe that that team is only one person. When We've seen this World Cup. Hernandez has, has been really important. There are new that new bloke they got a centre back, young man. He's only he's only going to be forty in February, scoring a goal for them. Uh, you've got that. You got. I think they are doing it right where they have got the the um, the legacy players, and then you've got the new ones like this young man, uh, Ramos bloke. His record. I mean, he's only just started doing it for for Benfica, but. Uh, I've been thinking who's going to be the uh, the best player of the tournament, and that display by him against a, a decent defensive Switzerland side was absolutely stunning. That for I me, mean, not just because of goals, but that was my game of the tournament so far. Um, that and England smashing the Welsh, but they've got the right combination of, and that seems they've got a manager who's willing to do what you need to do at times and drop Ronaldo. Because, I mean, if he had his own way, he'd be player manager at 50. But they have always been a team that I think people compare them to Spain because they're, they're next door to each other and they're, they're, they're like the poor relations. Like when people look at uh, Scotland and Wales compared to England, they're always seen as, uh, as second best to it. So I've always quite liked Portugal as a country, one of the countries I like to go and live in because it's, it's nice and warm. Um, I've got a Portuguese team, Penafiel, are absolute shit like my French team. And it's uh, it's good to see them doing well, but they I think they would be a much better team when Ronaldo retires because at times I feel like they're carrying carrying him, and they've got some really good young players coming through, and I, I like them. They've got a soft spot for for Portugal, and not because of Ronaldo or Pepe. Chris, we'll stick with Ronaldo. There's no doubting his talent. He's, he's an extremely good player, arguably 
you know, to the best top two players in the world for the last 10 years. But obviously, with that art, with that uh, interview he done with that dickhead Piers Morgan, and obviously, <laughs> it's not just Man United because he's now gone to Portugal and, you know, he's causing problems there. Is he, is he a case of he's a player where he believes he's bigger than the team? You know, he probably believes he's bigger than Man United and now he believes he's bigger than Portugal. Um, is it sad? Not sad, but is his career or his legacy um, going to be tarnished by these antics that are happening now? Yeah, potentially. Um, I touched on it earlier on where I said about Bale and Ramsey. I feel like this has been the World Cup where we've seen so many players who've just hung on that little bit too long. Um, you mentioned Suarez, Cavani's still knocking around at Uruguay, Diego Gautin is still there. Um, a few of the Cameroon squad are getting up there in age. Um, we mentioned the Belgian <laughs> golden generation. Um, I just feel like uh, maybe slightly controversial here because I can't stand Ronaldo um, and I'm not going to go into the the things that have been alleged that I personally deem to be true in his personal life. But that aside, I just I just I can't stand his ego. Now, yeah, part part of it has got to do with the fact that he's he's un, unbuttoned us not a few a team times. player, is he? Which is no, it's not. What football is. And and again, like you know, I just think of trying to manage an ego like that. And I, you know, I'm I'm no Man United fan, but I kind of felt for Ten Hag having to deal with that. And I just feel like the only part of the sympathy I have, if that's the right word, or the empathy I have, maybe for Ronaldo, is that, as you rightly said, Carl, he's probably been like it or lump it, the second best player of of the modern generation. And I do personally think Messi is clear. That's my personal view, and it's one or the other. But he's definitely. If not the best, one of the one of the best two in, in the last ten, maybe twenty years of, of modern day football. And I think the kind of sad part about what he's doing with his career now is that he's not going out gracefully and he's not going out at the top of his game. And whether he signs for Al Nassar or goes back to sporting or ends up in MLS or whatever, it's a step down from Man United. You know, that that should have been the glorious sort of finale, him coming back to Man United, having a season and then walking away. Um you know, and whether he he did make some fairly good points about what Man United are as a club in in said interview, but it was all done the wrong way. It was all like, look at me, look how it's affected me, look at, and and what he went through with his, you know, the loss of his child is heartbreaking. Of course it is, but other people in in the real world go through that as well, and they're still expected to return to work. They're still expected to pick up their lives and seek the help that that is offered. You know, this this is a multi billionaire footballer who's never wanted for anything. And, and and unfortunately, okay, part of the ego is part of his footballer. People always said, you take the ego out of Ian Wright, he wouldn't have been half the footballer he was. Thierry Henry, exactly the same. You know, we love Thierry Henry. Man was an absolute twat on the pitch at times. <laughs> like, you know, he was a wind-up merchant. We loved it as Arsenal fans because he was one of ours. We'd have hated that against us. And I just feel like with Ronaldo there, it, it, this could have been his redemption arc this tournament he could have come in and said look i'm not part of the you know ramos is the next the next big thing or you know jao felix whatever i'm here to cheerlead i'm here to support i'm here to help the younger players um and instead he's he's barreled in um and you could tell that fight that was a fake smile when ramos scored that first goal last night you know he knows the camera's on him he does and and it's it's just it is tarnishing his legacy and yeah as an arsenal fan 
I couldn't give a fuck. It's nothing to do with us. <laughs> but from a, a purely football standpoint, and although I know Messi has a bit of an ego as well, and I know he's not always the most amiable character off the pitch, but those two are going to be thought of very, very differently, like very differently. And I just feel like with Ronaldo, it's 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 a sad case of he's kind of like, the you know, the dad who turns up at sports day, um, you know, in his, in his 50s and he's got like the brand new Nike spikes and he thinks, oh, yeah, I'm just going to beat all the dad because he can't bear can't let it go. To, to let it go. It's like, you but know, it's like he's the human, he's the football equivalent of a comb over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which maybe I shouldn't go into in too much depth. But um, yeah, luscious locks. sometimes you just have to accept the game's moved on. Your time is done. Um, and like Suarez and Cavani and all the rest, like, you know, you should have bowed out gracefully. And his talent, you can't deny his talents, in, you know, insane. But the ego that goes with it. And I think somebody mentioned it on a podcast I was listening to earlier. If he'd have just been a nice bloke and, and he'd have come across well and have been one of football's nice guys, you wouldn't see as much hate as you get. Who's that bloke who played for Wickham, who played in the massive, big, muscly bloke? Oh, Adam, um, Adam, 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 yeah. Adam, see, yeah. similar thing. Everybody loves him because he's a genuinely nice bloke. Mm. Played played for years and years because for the genuine love of the game. Mm. But someone made a good point on Twitter. They said if he does go and play for um, Al Nassar or Al Sad or which one it was, he said his goal record should be frozen where it is now because he's just stat padding going there. But it's oh, it's the Pele effect, isn't it? <laughs> Counting Sunday league goals or whatever it was he was uh, doing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's a shame. But um, fuck him. Yeah, making two hundred million a uh, season. It's not a bad way to earn a living, is it? No, no. Fuck him, hell. Can't complain. That's a nice nope. work if you can get it. Um, I want to quickly talk about the round of sixteen. I'm not going to go through every single game because some of them were flipping awful. They really, really were. So we'll just talk about the standout games. Um, Femi. The standout, I'm going to talk about the standout game yesterday for me was obviously Morocco, Spain. Um, that was probably the best game of football I've seen in a very long time. There's not many, very many nil nils you see, and they're as exciting as that. Um, that game, Morocco, Spain, obviously everyone thought that Spain was going to go through because they were their favourites. But, you know, the fact that Morocco played, I think they played absolutely brilliantly. And especially it had every single piece of drama you could really think of. Especially Spain missing that chance at the very last minute that hit the post. It was a really good game and the penalty shootouts as well. Like had every drama you could think of. Um, what did you think of that game? Because for me, in my opinion, that was the game of the round of 16. You know what? When we were going through the round of 16s um, and all the results were going as planned, I actually said to someone, I said, there's only one game that I can see that the favourite might not get through. And I picked that game. And it wasn't because I fancied Morocco as much. It's because I don't fancy Spain to score goals. Now, yeah, they had a lot of possession. They had over someone said they had a thousand passes or something like that i think i heard now now the problem is how many shots on target did they have in the game i don't think it was more than two if i'm not mistaken that's a massive problem and then you got a high energy team who one shot on target there you go you got a high energy team who basically were running on fumes <laughs> in the last, I don't know, 30 minutes of normal time and through most of extra time. But 
they were still getting chances. So it was it was a bit of a a weird combination of nine hundred and twenty six. 1,019 passes, 926 were accurate. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, uh, but do you know what? But do you, I, I can't, I don't know if I find that entertaining. I, I don't know. It's like when they're winning, it's it's fun. And I mean, think about this. After they won the first game, was it 6-1 or 6-0? 7-0, wasn't it? 7-0. I mean, they, they didn't shot their load game. in that game. Yeah, they didn't win another game. They kind of dominated Germany, but as soon as Germany scored, you thought, oh, they're going to lose this for Spain, aren't they? Seven, they... seven different goal scorers. Yeah, so it's like they won one game out of four in the tournament, basically, and it's just they're just a really, really strange team. I don't know if Luis Enrique is going to stay or if he's, if he's done now, because I just don't see what more you can do with with this Spanish team, unless they they, they fix their goal scoring issues, but it, it might be a side of play issue. I, I don't know. It's 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 a weird one, really. Um, sorry, my screen is wobbling. I can see that, Phil. Don't worry, I'm trying to fix it. <laughs> but yeah, no. Um, it was it was good for. I mean, the penalty shootout. I mean, let me just talk about penalties in this tournament. Is there like a disease in football at the moment with? taking penalties is is something because i'm thinking the jordan iu penalty the multiple japanese penalty the ones yesterday are players just allergic to just having a proper run-up well. in disney yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Didn't, what is didn't it the spanish just... manager say i want you all to take a thousand penalties this seat this year they yeah that was they, that's they, all yeah. yeah but why are these run-ups just it's like they're 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 kind of they're kind of um, stuck between doing that Lewandowski thing where you wait for the keeper to go, but the keepers are getting smarter now where they're standing behind the line and they're just they're saying, okay, you, you go, I'll, you go, you go, you go. And because the, the, the run-ups are so short, the penalties are absolutely perfect. There's not enough power to get in. Yeah, there's no think. power in any of them. There's... And it's just like so many of them. It's also unfair on the goalkeepers because Loris was was punished for that Lewandowski first one where he came off his line. But it's like, you know, if, if these strikers are going to fanny ass around and stop for four weeks before, well, like, the, what, what chance has the goalkeeper got? Like, you know, you come off your line because the striker, you, you, you're trying to anticipate where the striker's going. So, you uh, personally, I would just make the rule, you know, you you can have your run up as close or as far away from the ball as you like. But the minute you make a movement, you have to be moving forwards at all times to strike the ball. You can't stop. If you stop full stop, that's it. And Neymar does it as well. His penalty style is the same. It's just like Fernandez does it, doesn't he? Um, Jorginho does it. It's just like, stop trying to make it look pretty and just hit the fucking thing. You know, like there's nothing better than a proper struck penalty. Yeah, it is like, and look at all the penalties that went in in that Spain game. They were the ones mm. that were struck properly. All mm. the other ones that didn't go in were where the run-up is like one or two steps. There's no way you're generating any sort of power with one or two steps. And the keepers are getting a lot bigger and smarter. They they know what they're doing. They can they've watched all the clips. They they've seen and it's it. You're they have right. Notes, it is don't that, they? Yeah, yeah it the is bottles, that cross yeah. between um between that Hernandez um, 
not Hernandez, Fernandez and Jorginho penalty and players have now tried to modify it into their own versions mm. of it. And it it's so many missed penalties in this tournament. You you wouldn't believe it. There's the um the Gallagher penalty as well, isn't it? The Preston striker, formerly of Blackburn, who um he turns away from the ball, doesn't he? Before <laughs> Turns his back on the ball and then just turns and sprints and runs at it. Yeah, it's all it's, John uh, Aldridge's fault, isn't it? The Aldridge stutter. Mm. I just, I just think like you know, Alan Shearer's era. You know, he took penalties mm. and he absolutely Lately. twatted it, didn't he? Like Van, Van Persie used to just yeah, Van Persie corner with power. And we've got previous see Henri and Pires, Man City, you know, I just think it's players trying to outthink it. Like I say, it's harsh on goalkeepers because you can't say to the goalkeeper, right, you cannot come off your line if the strikers are fannying around. And we don't want to go to the MLS All-Star days of running up to the halfway line. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I mean, it's different, but it's very American, isn't it? And and by the way, while we're on the subject of annoying things, that countdown before the game has to go, that's fucking awful. (laughs) What's that about? Seriously. <laughs> but if you're good enough as a as a player, all you have to do is do the same thing every time. Right footed, top left hand corner. Just spend a few hours a day before mm. the tournament hitting it as hard as you can, because no goalie in the world is gonna stand anywhere other than dead centre. Uh, I mean, Paul yeah. Cooper. I think it's Paul Cooper did it for Ipswich back in the seventies. He stood one third of the way along the line, so he always knew where the goal, the penalties would be taken, and he saved ten out of eleven penalties. But yep. no one seems to have done that before. But if you go right-footed, top left-hand corner, you hit it as hard as you can. No goalie is going to have the hand strength to stop that. No. Yeah. And another thing right. that another thing teams need to start doing is stop bringing on players just to, to take, take penalties. penalties. Yeah, I agree. Like, yeah, for God's sake, work man, out. Like, didn't the Dutch do that? They brought on a goalkeeper. Was it Tim Krul? They Tim Krul. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. But I mean that that's that's a bit different because a goalkeeper yeah. you don't need to be warm you don't need to be fresh you just you just got to have good reflexes and good judgment when you're coming in cold and I thought I think one of them was it Sarabia was one of them Sarabia, who came yeah. on and he actually could have won it in the last second but he hit the post like there's not enough there's so many teams haven't it's like you've seen this formula so many times you saw it mm. with England in the tournament last summer like just stop doing it is just let the players i mean if you're gonna what's the point you've missed all three penalties so, so mm. now what <laughs> like, the japanese, japanese be an international mm. team of that quality and miss all of your penalties no barnet is... we could have done that and scored at least one of those penalties the mighty barnet is did you hear un- about unforgivable did you hear about this idea that they were thinking about trialing in the nations league where you for all knockout games, you have a penalty shootout before the game, so that they've if been the talking game about that level, for years, though, haven't yeah, they? Yeah, not not the, the downside yeah. to that would be the team that won the penalty shootout just plays defensive football for the whole game, knowing they're through. Exactly, that's why it wouldn't work. Yeah, there, there was yeah. talk about it. A system, no. Oh, it's, now, it's, it's it's jeopardy, and like you know, if I I always think if if you can't put a ball away from twelve yards, regardless of whether you've got a guy with his cock out behind the goal or you know, one man and his dog or 74,000 people calling you a whatever. Like, that's your job, to quote Roy Keane. It's his job. I, t- but, I, I, I tend to agree with you, Chris. Like, I, I, yeah, you're you're telling me that I can have a free shot on goal, like, mm. in this massive goal from 12 yards out and only one person, like, between me and the goal. Come on now. you mm. As a professional footballer, you mm. would, like Danny said, you would just twat it as hard as you can. Mm. You would try and get the most amount of power on that ball because, like you said, no goalkeeper if you hit a top corner, he's getting there. Then, then not, if, it's just not happening. 
And if you miss, you miss. You know, I mean, Saka came back from it. He look look at the career he's had since. You know, that could have that could have killed him. It didn't because he's got a you know a strong mental attitude and he's oh, come back stronger for it. Step up. But yeah. TIFO on YouTube, people, go and have a look. TIFO, they did a quick seven-minute video on, on YouTube about this. And there's a system called GDS, goalkeeper, defender, striker. Striker mm. starts with a ball. There's a goalkeeper in his area. There's a defender between him. You've got 20 seconds to try and score. But that could just go on forever without any... It's a bit, that's, that's a it's bit, a bit American. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I do like the how long with the ball for Yeah. You said, Chris. I think that that is for... I think my cat's got mad cow disease. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that would work. That, that would work for the fans because it's entertaining, but mm. it wouldn't work from the point of football. You can't beat normal penalties, can you, Cal? No. That would be just like American football style, wouldn't it? Like um, the game would just carry on for ages and ages and ages. Um, just quickly touching on um, the games. Uh, I'll come to you, Danny. The games uh, at the moment, so they're at the moment they're 3 o'clock and 7 o'clock. The fact that they start at 7 o'clock and finish at 9 o'clock, I think that's absolutely brilliant because if you was going to a game, and Femi, like you go to more games than I do, like if a game was starting at 7 and you're out by 9, instead of these like starting at 8 o'clock or starting at 7.30, that difference, it, I think it makes a hell of a lot of difference. And plus you can get home earlier. Would you be a fan of the Premier League? Instead of, you know, Monday night football, I think their games are 8 o'clock, aren't they? Um would you be a fan of the game just starting an hour earlier at seven o'clock? I think we are going to see some of this because of the cost of electricity, clubs, shops, everyone's going going under. I mean, I talked to Chris about how much money I owe. I owe the best part of about eight grand in electricity bills. I'm not paying. I've told them to go fuck themselves, all of them. And you will see clubs applying to have midday kickoffs because they can't afford the, the amount of money it costs for floodlighting. So I think that is definitely going to be a thing coming up. Um, I think it saves clubs uh, some, because uh, at the moment it's only Premier League and Championship games that aren't going ahead, I think, the top two the tiers in English football. But the games are going to... Is it? Oh, yeah. OK. Um, but you are going to see people doing this because... You, they can't afford it, but even if it was normal times and the electricity companies weren't trying to kill the the infirm, the old, the sick, and uh, the dribblies, um, I I like the Italian version. Nobody does anything on a Sunday. Sunday's the worst day of the week. Italian football play all their games on a Sunday. I've never understood why British football play their games at three o'clock on a Saturday. It's the worst time of the, to do it because Saturday is a day where you where you with your family you're going to go out and do shopping until the shops are open. Move it all to a Sunday. Have all the games on a Sunday like in Italy. It's not peak viewing, is it? I don't give a fuck about them. It's what I want. It, would it help you, I don't you even go. <laughs> would it help I you, Sam, as a commuter? I think that's what I was going to say. I think that's the only thing with UK games is is this, the transport. People we know it's full that is, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> it's people working. and I mean, even not 7.45 kickoffs, you you'll see that the, the ground doesn't fill up till like 8 p.m. It's, it's really weird because Arsenal had a 6 p.m. the other day, didn't they? They replayed the PSV game, which is the mm. first time I've seen it at the Emirates. And it was more full than I thought it would be. But you, you do see that people struggle to get there at a decent time. So it would take a lot of a lot of change in mentality for... I think we're so I used guess, to it. I guess we're working from home culture now. Um... If you know this, okay, this the traditional nine to five, yeah. like 
people wouldn't tend to go home. They go straight from the office if they were in the office straight to the ground. That's why I think the seven o'clock kickoffs would be better. And again, if you leave at nine, you know, if you live an hour, hour and a half away, yeah. depending on where you live, get home by, you know, ten o'clock. You'd be nice yeah. instead of like getting home at, you know, half ten, eleven right. o'clock, okay. knowing that you got to get out for work the next day. I mean, yeah. I like these seven o'clock games. Especially for someone like me who has to get up at five o'clock in the morning to go to work. The game finishes at nine o'clock, got all my stuff done, and I'm in bed. Like, it's. Um, yeah. No, no. You're, you're, do you know what? You're definitely right because one thing I do know is a lot of people leave early. Mm. A lot of people don't live in, in London, you know, you'll be shocked. A lot of people that I sit around don't live in London that come to the games and they do leave. Some, some, a guy behind me just rots. 20 minutes early every game no matter what the situation is he will just he's out and you know you can blame him but sometimes people do live like in the midlands and, and whatnot and they mm. actually have trains to catch it is what it is but but saying that though i mean i've got a couple of friends are out in um at the world cup right now and one of the things that they've loved is they've been able to attend two games a day sometimes it's the one city it's, thing yeah it's in one city and we're mm. never gonna have that again honestly the next World Cup, I'm trying to get out there, but I was looking at three the countries. Yeah, same. Yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to go as well, but yeah, yeah three countries. Mm, you, you, you almost have to pick. You almost have to pick that you want of USA, Mexico, or Canada. Yeah. One YouTuber is planning to watch every single game for the current World Cup. There's a couple of um, a couple of French fans who cycled to Qatar from France, which is quite cool. They got to meet Deschamps. They got signed shirts and. Got to meet some of the players, which I thought was quite cool. But that that was that was one point I was going to make actually. Like um, as a viewer, I've preferred it because it is it is nice knowing that the game you know say finishes at nine and you think oh fancy an early night you can nip off to bed or you've got between nine and sort of like half ten to do a few bits and bobs. It is quite it actually is quite nice knowing that because normally if you watch an evening kickoff, it's like right the game's game's done off to bed. So even as a home viewer, um, and that that thing that Fen mentioned there about the all-in-one city seems like a nice um, transition into what we've like thought of the tournament because like one thing I've really noticed is that I've got to be very careful what I say here um, none of us on this podcast and of any of ABW not one of us has said that we're comfortable with it being in Qatar with everything that's going on etc so just take that as a given but I do feel like as the tournament's gone on the minute anyone jumps up and says actually I've, a I've actually found the experience has been really good they've been immediately shot down um Jonathan Wilson's been all over it, but I mean, that's Jonathan Wilson for you. But a few other journalists, you know, and, and, and on the flip side of that, I also feel like some people, and I apologise if this upsets anybody, but, you know, we're an open platform here. I do feel like some people went to this World Cup looking to offend people, looking to get in, in the limelight. Um, there was a couple of journalists, I think, who went over there and, you know, were actively trying to to promote like rainbow colors and stuff. And I, again, I'm not against your, you know, you upholding your views, etc. but I can't help but feel some people went out there with a specific mission to try and wind up 
the locals. It reminds and me of the scene from the Monty Python's Holy Grail. You're only making it worse for yourself. Yeah, exactly. And, and as I say, you know, I'm not at all defending the rights of LGBTQ people or anything like that. Not at all. That 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 country has a lot to learn. One hundred percent. That's very clear. But I think there have been positives, and I think I think in the in, in the interest of of balance, you have to say that hosting it in one city has been a success the idea that people can um you know that that, okay that it's busy over there and there's a lot of intermingling of fans something else unpopular opinion um no the the alcohol ban nothing's been said has it nothing's been said and i know some people have gone over there and had these clever sort of like can coverers and you know they clearly have a few beers or whatever but it's you haven't heard about you know English fans throwing plastic furniture at each other, you know, and not just English fans. I should stress, but you haven't seen you haven't seen rioting. You haven't seen now whether that's because it's been very quietly brushed under the carpet because of what might actually happen to you if you kick off over there. Who or knows? It's not but booze field, field. Yeah, fuels. but but it, it. I think on the whole, and the I forget the guy's name. You might know this, Carl. You might have seen this tweet. The chap who presents on ITV uh coverage i can't remember his bloody name he's quite he's yes quite... um he was he'd done the walk along didn't he yeah like river with the camera yeah is yes. it martin something or i can't remember his yeah name. i know but I, thought, I thought his video was excellent i thought he spoke really well and i thought he you know he came across in that video like he's like yes there's a lot of things that this country has to learn there's a lot of lessons that need to be taken and there's a a huge step forward they need to make and, and one of the things that i think football weekly have covered quite well on the podcast is this tournament has absolutely nothing that we're not, we're not going to learn anything from this. If these issues are not highlighted in six months, two years, four years, like there's no good just highlighting it just because the world cup's there. These issues need to be fought ongoing, but from a purely football perspective, I think you have to, yeah, you, you have to take the positives and you have to say, you know, hosting it in one area, um, a very rich area has to be said as well. Facilities have been good. And I, I haven't seen many, people coming back with negative sort of thoughts or or um or viewpoints and like i say if you haven't seen it look up the guy's name i'll try and find his name out but the itv presenter on on the coverage he he just did like carl said just like a walking along selfie video on his phone just talking about the things that were actually really good and and were a real positive from the tournament so i think in the interest of fairness i think like you have to say some of it has actually been a big win and and if if we can take the positives then then we should do you think it opens the door to the likes of Saudi Arabia possibly getting a World Cup? Because well, they will get it. it. They will get it because money talks. Yeah, money talks. They will yeah. get it, a hundred percent. But at least they've got a half decent team. And and also, I think Fern made this point earlier on about Morocco. You know, it. I think it was. It's been long overdue that an Arabian or African country. We've had South Africa previously. Now we've had an Arabian World Cup. They they deserve every opportunity to you know, to host a tournament like this, just like the US, Canada and Mexico do. You know, one day we might get it in, I don't know. I Australia? Think, yeah. Yeah, Australia would be fantastic. No, I, don't, I think that would be a disaster having it in Australia. No one can you get think? there. Even if it's an Australia-New Zealand thing, there are certain parts of the world that should not get a World Cup. And the Thank Middle you, East is it, one. By the way, is Mark Pugach. That's the, that's the chat. Thank you. Australasia is another one that shouldn't get it. 
Um, but how far is I mean, what's how far is Australia from South Korea, for example? I mean, yeah, exactly. You can't I, I, just think I, I, of it from a UK point of view. Yeah, exactly, or European I mean, point we, of view. We've had to. Yeah, we've sent it. We've sent it to South Korea. Yeah. Uh, was yeah. it I mean, we we might have it on the moon one day. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's. And I bet no, Argentina fans will find their way there as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and you and you've got to have you've got to have balance, like you know, North North Korea. Yeah, um, maybe not Loki. That wouldn't wouldn't work out so well. But yeah, I I do I do think that yeah I, I think every country deserves the right to host it. No. Um, and and I'd be, I'd be very interested to see because I don't think, despite all the positives that that south africa had from it i don't think there's been a huge legacy left behind i don't yeah, believe... legacy of white elephants and debt i think isn't that I what it's that called country... a white elephant when they're you've got massive stadiums yeah they, they've regret they're still paying for that but then that said it happened during italia 90 half of those stadiums are all gone now aren't they <sighs> so i mean it's uh, well, the world's moved on of course but yeah you you they do deserve an opportunity in in other countries to host it and um, I'm looking Maybe. forward to the US, Canada, and Mexico See, just because say, you could argue that Canada should have no part of that. I mean, it's only Why? there because it's geographically connected to the USA. Mexico yeah. have had two World Cups one they, they hosted and one they stepped in and hosted it. I think it's meant to be Colombia or someone like that or Argentina. US, USA 94 was, was a brilliant World Cup for my memory. And, and I know a lot of people remember nation, then. they didn't even have a league, did they? Ex- exactly. And, and everyone mm. remembers that Diana Ross penalty. But um, yeah, it was it was a brilliant tournament that, and and maybe it's a bit of um, uh, nostalgia in me. But as a kid who had like a portable color TV in his bedroom, you know, watching football at like half past eleven at night on a school night was amazing. Like <laughs> whether I'm going to feel that way when I'm what will I be then? Forty? Well, for nearly forty-four. Um, but yeah, I know I'm old. But it, it um, will it will be quite cool to see you know late night because people like OG and Dom they get up to watch Arsenal games at that time of yeah. the morning you know so it'll be quite cool for us to do the same thing. I'm a bit um I know they're obviously going to convert some American football stadiums into football stadiums. I'm not calling this soccer because fuck you is called football not soccer. <laughs> um, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> but the thing is, is it's going to be weird because that's that is in the middle of the American Football League, so it would be. It'd be interesting to see. I know, like that lot up the road, they have a, a stadium where obviously the pitch comes out and the American football pitch comes up. But um, Femi, someone who watches American football as well, it's going to be that. So you can almost guarantee that the stadiums are going to host football games. Obviously, the LA Rams stadium, that brand new Stan Kroenke is going to want uh, a part of that, so he's going to host the stadium. Um, I think there's a couple in New York. Definitely. Um, so we have got obviously some big football stadiums in America that are going to host games, but there are obviously some American football stadiums who are bigger, better, and they and they're definitely going to build some. Mexico uh, are going to build some stadiums as well. That's a huge um, football nation. Oh Mexico. wow! Yeah. Okay, so I'm looking at the list now. Wow, they're they're going all in here. Yeah, there's a lot. So AT and T. Dallas, that's a. I've, I've been to that stadium actually. The was it two billion stadium in my days? That is, it's impressive. Let, let me put it like that. And Atlanta United, I mean, it, it's, it's like 90, it will 000. be in the summer, so it's yeah. it's out of NFL season anyway. So it's, it, I mean, we do it for them. I mean, it, it, it's these stadiums are so state of the heart, state of the art that I mean, Tottenham 
change their stadium every other weekend for NFL. So it's mm. literally just we, either they do the retractable pitch or they, they incorporate they just, the design, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. So the NFL season doesn't usually start till September, October. So there's yeah. there's plenty of time. It, it, I mean, these are these are like do you know what I'm thinking? 90, in my head, 90, do you know I'm thinking in my head? I know. I'm in my head. I'm still thinking, thinking it's going to be winter. winter. Yeah, and I was thinking because <laughs> they're playing NFL now. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, you're right. There is no NFL in the summer. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Are they using um, is yeah, yeah. Soldier Soldier Field on that list? Yeah, they got Soldier Field. Uh, yeah. No, no, no they don't have Soldier Field. They had Soldier Field last time. They've got um, oh, Arrowhead, okay. which is Kansas City. They've got um, Gillette Stadium, which is. Um, the New England Patriots as well. Mm. Um, Miami and uh, Atlanta, Atlanta are building a new stadium. Yet yeah, Miami, I'm sure the Miami one is the normal football team stadium. I'm not. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, because that's and obviously you've got Soulfire, which is San Cronky's baby. Yeah, which yeah, is yeah. another, you know, two three billion dollar stadium. So no, they, I they, guess they, 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 did they have the grand stadium on there? Canada yeah, was it yeah. Montreal? Montreal got one, and because isn't because isn't there the one in Canada? It was, wasn't that where Drogba played, and they've got an artificial surface, and he said it basically cost him the end of his career because he couldn't play home games. I think that's Montreal. Oh. I want to say it's Montreal, but yeah, they've they've got some pretty big stadiums in Canada, haven't they as well? So, mm. whereas I think the Mexican ones, based on what I've seen of the Mexican league, um, the major oh, things they will need is not the capacities; they'll need the security and the modernization done on them. So I think I don't think you'll see too many stadiums built from scratch in Mexico. I think you'll just see like Tigres and um, what's the other big club over there? Um, Millonarios. Uh, oh, no, no that's, there's, that's a, there's another big club. But yeah, I, I think I think you'll yeah the Aztaca. You'll you'll see like grounds that yeah, that have got Azteca, the Monterrey. Monterrey, uh, that's it. Yeah, they're, they're, they've got big stadiums. They will just need they'll need modernizing and they'll need a lot more security because as we know. Mexican and Argentinian and Argentinian fans. A bit tasty. Um, yeah, can get a bit spicy. Yeah. But it'll be good, I think. I think it'll be uh, good. Yeah, mm. I'm happy. Right, I'm gonna wrap this I'm quickly going. up. Um yeah, for me needs to talk because I'm definitely gonna go over there. <laughs> right. I wanna because we're going for a little while, so I'm gonna wrap this up quickly. So we got uh, the quarterfinal games, which are Netherlands, Argentina, Croatia, Brazil, England, France, and Morocco, Portugal. Come to you quickly, Chris. I'm going to talk to you about two games. Obviously, the England-France game. We'll come to in a second. But Netherlands-Argentina. Um, my work, my first World Cup that I fully, really watched was uh, um, France 98. For me, mm. still, it's the best World Cup I've ever seen. It's brilliant. Um, and one of the standout games with that was, um, obviously, um, um, Netherlands versus Argentina with the probably the best goal I've ever seen scored in uh, world football. Obviously, the Burkamp one, uh, Frank de Bruyne, um, Frank de Boer, long ball up the pitch, Burkamp, Gonchal, uh, Nutmeg Ayala, who arguably was one, probably the best defender in the world at that time uh, and scored with the outside of his boot brilliantly. Um, that game is going to be, uh, I think, uh, a, a, a stifling game because if you ever saw Argentina versus Netherlands, they literally, it was rope-a-dope. They scored, sat back, uh, scored again, sat back, scored again, sat back. Um, do you think that Messi and his friends will have enough to beat um, Netherlands? Um, before I answer that, I feel like we sort of, I feel like we need to um, 
Hopefully you can hear this, but I feel like we just need to do this. Met de bal zit voor Frank de Boer. Frank de Boer speelt de bal. Heel goed naar Dennis Bergkamp. Dennis Bergkamp. Dennis Bergkamp neemt de bal aan. Dennis Bergkamp. Dennis Bergkamp. Dennis Bergkamp. Dennis Bergkamp. Dennis Bergkamp. You get the draw. Um, yeah, just just memories of that commentary. It was just so good, isn't it? It's just such a that commentator. Wherever I saw that he in is. my head as he was as you were playing it. Yeah, I know. It's That's one of those iconic, iconic, yeah. iconic moments. Yeah, I just love it. Um, yeah, uh, blah, 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 blah. I sorry, I've lost track of your question. I got all, I got all Dennis, <laughs> and I got all excited. Um, was the gist of it? Do I see Holland getting through or Argentina essentially? Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Uh, oh, so what the things Dennis Bergkamp can do to a, a man of my age. I I think Argentina will get through this game just purely because I think, or do I? The, the, the Louis van Gaal thing has got a huge pull, hasn't it? Like since, and you know, God bless him for doing that tournament when he's in such poor health. Um, Is he I just, yeah, he's got, um, he's got cancer. Um, quite an aggressive form as well. I think it's a throat cancer he's got or something. It's quite a oh quite a severe cancer he's suffering with, and he basically said he would see out this tournament and then he's going to retire. Um, so that and that, that that sort of stuff has a, a huge pull on the mentality of the players, and they, you know, don't get it wrong, they will run that extra yard. Um, they'll put in that extra shift. I just have a feeling that Messi might be the difference, and I know that's the most obvious thing to say in the world, but it, yes. Cody Gakpo, we mentioned earlier on, you know, Dumfries had a good tournament. The keeper's been good. Um, we know Van Dyke on his day is is one of the best sort of defenders around. But they've also got Daily Blind, you know, Depay runs hot and cold. Um, that midfield, I think they've got um what's the lad from Ajax called? Um the the bold guy who's at Everton. Davy Klassen. Um I just sort of feel like man for man Argentina have got a better a better setup and I don't know you know Argentina have got Otamendi at centre back for Christ's sake but I just feel like Argentina will edge it and I don't, I don't really I can't I can't give you any other answer than than Messi because I just feel like it's it, it's his tournament like this is his opportunity to get to the final and I think that's where Argentina will get um but I think I'm right in saying that the Hang on, are they they're on they're on the same side of the group as Brazil, aren't they? Brackets. Yeah, Brazil. so it'll be a Brazil. Um, if they both get through, it'll be Brazil, Semi-final. Argentina, semi. Mm, so that's tough. Yeah, I'm gonna nail my colours to Argentina's mass, but you know, I, I I couldn't sort of tell you why. It's just a feeling I get. Um, and you know, Holland don't have Dennis Bergkamp, so this is true. Um, I'm not going to ask you about France, England, Chris. I will, but I'll come to Femi first because we know your thoughts <laughs> on it. Um, you might be surprised, actually, but go on. So, um, Femi, uh, France are obviously the favourites. I, I get that, but I just, I never thought I'd ever say this. Never in my life, and I feel like England ha- will have just a tactical now and. To beat France, man for man, France have got the better players. There's no doubt about that at all. I feel like they definitely have <laughs> every aspect on the pitch. France have better players, but I just feel like England will have the momentum. And I know it's been built up as in Kyle Walker versus Kylian Mbappe. Let me make this clear: there is no contest there. Kylian Mbappe will absolutely roast Kyle Walker, and he's going to do that in the first minute. And Kyle Walker is going to think what the fuck has just happened here? It's going to happen 100%. But 
I don't. I just have a sneaky suspicion that England just might pull it, pull it over them. I don't know. Do you have the same, or do you think that France is team spirit and obviously their, um, I guess their individual players are will take care of England. Yeah, I. Um, this is one that when I mapped out. The, the, I couldn't work out all the groups, but this is the only, one of the groups that I did map out was England meeting France at this stage. And for most of the time, I thought, yeah, France would win, France would win. But for some reason, I kind of got that same feeling as you. That, And do you know what it is? It, it's like that thing that France had, that Germany had, that Spain had, where a team just progressively gets further and further in tournaments until it's their time. It's very rare, maybe Belgium, that a team makes that progression and then doesn't get to that final hurdle. And I think this might be England's time to get to that final hurdle. And this is their biggest test because every other tournament that they've been in with Southgate, they've never beaten a team that they shouldn't have beaten. They've never gone into a match as second favourites and won the game. You know, most of the time, whenever they come up against their first toughest opponent, they usually lose, whether it's Croatia last tournament or Italy in, in the, the, the last one. Before, if you look at all the games that they play, they're always the favourites or it's a level playing field. This is the first time that they're not favourites that they have to win. Otherwise, it becomes a psychological problem going on. But when you say man for man, France are better than England in every position, yeah. They are, but England have improved a lot. Maybe not at the back um, in defence, maybe. But I like the balance of their midfield. I like, and and I think it's gonna be it's gonna be so tight. It, it, like someone said in the in the chat, I think Loki Loki said it could go to penalties. This one, it, it's that tight. You know, it's it's it could it could be that that tight and. One thing that I'll be worried about if I was France is just England on the break. They're really good on the transition, whether it's Bellingham or if they bring what's his name on Rashford on or or Foden. They seem to just have this thing where if you let them break on you, they seem to be just devastating. They don't have a lot of shots, but they seem to make every shot count as well. Hey, now I understand. Um, I'm going to give the floor to Chris. Um... What is your views on this one, Chris? Are you feeling, as a French fan, are you feeling even just a little bit nervous about this game? Just because, like Femi said, because I never thought I'd ever say this, but I do think England's midfield is better than France's. But then again, France just have this, Kylian Mbappe is just a a wonderful player. He really is. Um, Olivier Giroud, as, as much as he's ridiculed by some Arsenal fans, he knows how to find the net. He's just very good. And I think France's defence as well is really good. Um, I just worry about France's midfield. But do you think France have enough about them or in the other um, areas of the pitch to sort of not dispatch England, but enough about them to beat England? Yeah, I mean, the first thing to say is hats off to Olivier Giroud, the uh, men's record holder for number of France goals, 51 now. So he is out on his own, although I think it's safe to say that 23-year-old Kylian Mbappe will probably take that that off him fairly soon. Um, to answer your initial question and putting, you know, putting cards on the table, I am concerned about this game. Yeah, Jez and I did the French Foot Weekly pod yesterday and we previewed the game and both of us have uh, 
we, we were both quite pessimistic about France's chances in this World Cup, even before the tournament started. Jez was was worried about them getting out of the group because he just had this bad feeling. I thought they'd get out of the group, but I was concerned about the, the second stage and beyond, just because exactly what you said, the midfield is not what we would have liked it to be. Losing Hernandez in the first game, albeit to be replaced by his brother, was another blow. Um, you know, th- there's been th- there's been quite a few issues. Um, losing Benzema pre-tournament arguably was actually a good thing because it's allowed that axis of, of Giroud, Griezmann and, and Mbappe to function as they did in the last World Cup, adding Dembele into that as well. But yeah, I mean, you know, all, all ribs aside, and I, I do love a good fish. Uh, it's always quite fun to go fishing for England fans because they're very easy to catch on Twitter. Um, but that said, if England win this game, I will probably delete all of my social media. So, uh, <laughs> worth it just for that. Yeah, but um, but no, all, all jokes aside, and, and seriously, anybody who um, who takes some of the things I say seriously, don't it? You know, I am on the wind up sometimes. But cards on table, nine games out of ten, France should beat England comfortably. They should. Like that's just facts. They're they're better in all departments. Um, they have got arguably the most informed player in the world right now, in, in Mbappe, who who does seem to be on a one man mission to to attempt to retain this trophy but a hundred percent yeah england have got have got some good players they've got dangerous players you know saka's playing very well we know about him um despite my slight reservations about bellingham being the second coming of jesus because he's not he is a very talented midfielder um but i think as femi said earlier on um you know the carl walker thing i don't buy that people keep bringing up the fact that he he defended very well against him for man city against psg yeah three and a half years ago um different times people different times and i think if you're france i said this to jez on our pod you don't look at mbappe versus walker you look at mbappe versus harry Maguire. that's what you look at um you know he's not he's a very intelligent footballer mbappe he's not just gonna sit casually on that left wing the whole game and thinking oh i'll just keep running at carl walker he's gonna pull on to the defensive weakness um I still think Pickford's a weakness. You know, I know he makes good saves, but I think he's really erratic as a goalkeeper. Um, that could be a weakness. But from a French perspective, yeah, I, I am concerned about it. And I, I genuinely do think this is one of those gimmies. I think it could be it could be all over in 15 minutes, you know, and, and, and France sort of become the, the, the side we know they are and, and they could blow England away. But equally, I would not be surprised to see England in front in this game. And that's one thing we haven't seen in this tournament. We haven't seen England behind yet. And that will be the real test, is if France take the lead, have England got, got what it takes to, to come back in a game. If England score first, um, it could be quite a long night for France because you know they will want to play on the counter. And, and I think Southgate, it, it'll be very interesting to see if he sticks with the back four or whether he does revert to the you know the Southgate that England fans know and grudgingly don't really like <laughs> where he does go into his shell because I think I think that's playing into France's hands if you want to beat this French side go at them and we saw Poland were bloody dreadful in this tournament but they had a couple of attacks in that game where they actually attempted to attack uh, you know like football teams should and and France were on the ropes and it took a a very good Laurie save and two goal line clearances for them to not be in, not be behind in that game. So, but you can get at them. Um, and yeah, I, I am concerned. And I think Loki's spot on there. I think it's probably 60, 40 France, but you know, on the night, anything can happen. And I will not be surprised if England do get through this. Um, but just one caveat, 
it doesn't matter if they beat France, they ain't winning this World Cup. Sorry about that. It's not coming home. Chris touched on something, Danny, that I just want to ask you about. I know you don't really watch England, but do you think that Gareth Southgate will revert? Do you think that Gareth Southgate will revert back to his back five? It just makes me think that because he's going to be scared of um, the attacking power of France and their attack is very good, do you think he might revert back to type and just think because you know you've got um, Dembele on one side and you've got um, Mbappe on one side and Oliver Giroud, do you think he might say, right, we need to kind of defend and then soak up all the pressure and then hit them on the break? This is going to be the equivalent of uh, a boxing match where England are going to be the boxer that constantly hugs. Break up, go on, break it up. They're going to ruin the game. They're going to slow it down. They're going to go pass, 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 play it back, pass, pass, play it back. And France are going to get angry with it. They're going to start. Um, Mbappe wants to go out there and, and, and win the game because one of the best players at the tournament. And it is going to be a crime against football what Gareth Southgate is going to do to this game. And like Chris said, I wouldn't be surprised if England won it. Just because they're going to bore the ass off of um, off of uh, off of France and the viewers, because Gareth Southgate is one of the most negative footballers for the first half hour of the game, as we saw in the last game, it was horrendous. But then we saw in the second half of the game against Senegal, he went bang. There you go, we're on it now. And all it will take is one goal from Saka or one fluky goal from Kane. Or if, if Sterling does come back, maybe a performance from him, because he's saying in the papers that he might go back now. And, and then France could be in trouble because if they go a goal up, England will just shut it down. But also, like Chris said, with Pickford, Pickford is a clown. Pickford would make stupid mistakes, much like Ramsdale does, but to a much higher level. And uh, with Maguire, we saw Maguire is still a donkey. He's had a couple of good games or a, a few moments in games where he, he has mucked it up. But I think you've got the... When you're playing a midfield three of Henderson, Bellingham and uh rice. rice rice it's not exactly uh peak brazil is it when in, in the days where every single player from midfield is going to bang goals in all over the place and then you've got the four defenders and it is oh my god i just it's a crime against football and i'm not looking forward to watching it the only one reason i want england to do well is for saka because we all love saka but like it's- like also like chris said if they get through to anyone else brazil will rip them to pieces very, very unpopular Brazil. opinion, by the way, just on the quiet. That midfield yeah. is key because Shuameni is still very raw and Adrian Rabio has actually been very good in this tournament, to be fair. But one of France's best midfielders, as well as one of France's best defenders, as well as France's best attackers this tournament, Anton Griezmann has been absolutely brilliant. And he's gone under the radar. Because, Silent assassin, isn't he? Yeah, because Mbappe and Giroud are grabbing all the headlines. Griezmann has been absolutely brilliant, and he has played in every position. You know, he's been back defending. He's had second assists, first assists. He, his runs are exceptional, and for a player who's been who's had a really stop-start season because of that whole issue with Atletico and you know how many minutes he could play and then playing under Simeone, <laughs> etc. He is he's been he is honestly France's most important player, and that midfield area is key because for all of Rice and Henderson's limitations, if they if they create the space for Bellingham to do what he's good at, which is the creative side and that, that energy, that box-to-box energy, um, he's the key. Because Kane without service is fucking useless. I don't care what anyone says. Kane is is the player he is because of Son and because of you know, like Kulisevsky. And, and because referees of the, giving well, <laughs> that he's too. not getting at the World Cup. 
but he's half the player without service. And and you saw there was a compilation of him against USA where he was just aimlessly hoofing it up to where yeah. he should have been. And it's like, but but that's where Bellingham has transformed this England team because um, this is why I'm not going full bore of he's the new Xavi. I think he's a very technically, very technically good midfielder. And the reason why everyone's hyping him is because England haven't had one of those for about 25 years. He's a progressive footballer and he's, he's technically very good. If he wins that midfield duel over Rabiot and, and, and Shuamani, then England have got every chance because if you get the service to Kane, you know, he probably will finish. And those two wingers, like I said, Saka and I presume it'll be Saka and Sterling. Um, I presume. But then, you know, Southgate's now got a hard on for Foden, hasn't he? So, you know, but it, 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 it should be good. Mason Mount, like he did in the first couple of games. Oh, Mason Mount. Oh, rubbish. Yeah. Okay. Um, I want to quickly just ask your out-and-out World Cup winners and then I'm going to touch on Arsenal. Um, so I'm going to come to you, Danny. So, uh, Morocco, Portugal, France, England, Brazil, Croatia, Netherlands, Argentina. Who is going to be, what's going to be the final and what's going to be the winner? The final is going to be um, Brazil. Can Brazil, Argentina play each other or they meet no, in the semi final? Yeah. yeah, so it's going to be Brazil v. Um, I want to go Portugal because that young man they got out front is something special. And if he, uh, they're just playing free flight, they're loving their football at the moment. So I'm going to go um, Brazil, Portugal, and obviously Brazil to win it because they uh, seem to be unstoppable. We're good. Femi, uh, what um, is your final and then what's the winner? I've got, I got Brazil, Portugal in the final as well. But I've got this funny feeling that Portugal might beat Brazil. Um, I think they're a big game team. Uh, the Euros, where they spoilt everyone's party <laughs> in France. Still can't believe they did that. And they won the last uh, conference league as well. I think they're, they're mm. entering just a little bit of as under-the-radar team that could just do it. And they, they, they love to do that upset in the final. And, but yeah, I'd love Brazil to do it, but they play some pragmatic football when they they play like England basically that type of just control the game and just lull you to death and then <laughs> the death <laughs> what they should do whoever plays Brazil in the final go back and watch Germany Brazil World Cup 2014 semi-final oh, just go I and watch that the other day and that I is I don't think they're that team anymore they no they're not they but... just strangle control of the game and just 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 I don't know how they do it, but they've got good players. So yeah, Brazil Portugal final. Let's see what happens. Okay, Chris. Chris, sorry. Mm. <laughs> my my heart says Argentina. Um, Argentina France final. Um, but I I have a ho- I, I have horrible feelings. I think it's going to be an Argentina Portugal final. Oh, no. Um, which has kind of got the Messi Ronaldo written all over it hasn't it i i still i still fancy argentina will come through um i think brazil will get through the the quarterfinals and i think argentina will get through holland and i fit i just think argentina will shithouse their way past brazil mm-hmm. the other side of the draw is difficult i've got a horrible feeling that that england will actually beat france 
and that's not just me trying to sort of cover your ass yeah exactly but i i genuinely do i hope i'm wrong i hope they win fucking 12 nil and i can laugh all over the place but i've got a horrible feeling that this one is is got got the wrong way and then i have a feeling that portugal will will beat england because i think portugal will get past croatia um and i think we might have a sort of a you know ronaldo rooney wink all over again as i think portugal will will beat england in the semis um, and then, yeah, as I say, Argentina for me is still. I said they'd win it pre-tournament. I'm going to stick with it. Um, but yeah, but I hope I'm massively wrong and, and France piss their way to the final and win it again. Of course. Carl, shouldn't <laughs> you add a question? And can England win it? Should that be a an addendum to? I they can. The word. A hashtag pick. I'm leaving the I mean, country. Anyone... I'm not just shutting. I'm not just shutting my social media off. I am leaving the country if England wins the World Cup. I am fucking gone. I will move I mean, to any, the Isle of Sky. I don't uh, care. Any team can win it. Will England win it? No, no. I, don't, I don't think they <laughs> no, will. Gonna, um, you know that they're going to win the tournament eventually, right? Morocco it's probably not going to be forever. Sake. I mean, you know, like, yeah. Yeah, they're going to win a tournament eventually. They've got too much of a talented group of players not to win. Need to get rid of Southgate. Are you- if, if you think about it. this, I mean, I'll just do mine quickly, then we'll talk about Arsenal, but I'll do this quickly. So I think it was going to be um, a Brazil-France final. Um, and I do oh, think That would France be a good it. final. That's going to be a good final, and I think France will win it. I think... Um, Repeat of 98. I do think that France will be England. I do. And I, then even the Portugal-France semi, I think it's going to be very tough. Uh, I think Brazil will be Argentina. Um, I, w- I mean, let's face it, you really, the the scriptwriters want an Argentina-Portugal final because they want the Messi-Ronaldo thing, don't they? And then what oh, would really yeah. piss him off, what would really piss him off is that if Ronaldo didn't start, like, on the that bench, he, yeah. he would and fucking throw, he, he would throw Messi Garrett ran away. past him with a trophy at the end there. Yeah, no, like, that's <laughs> what people want. But I, he storms down France, the tunnel. Yeah. <laughs> I think France have enough about them. Um Definitely, but just touching on what you said, Danny. Um, you think Kane is what? Third? Kane's what? Twenty nine? Thirty? I think he's thirty one. I think he's thirty one. Yeah. Who Kane? So this technically, I'm not googling him. His... I don't want that on my phone. No, no, no. no. <laughs> but this could be his last <laughs> World Cup. So Hopefully. you think? So you think four years time he's what thirty five? You know, is he still? Is he still going to be England's number one talisman at thirty five? You would like to think not. Like he's still twenty nine. He's 29. So it's okay. So it's going to be what 34. Even uh, even 34 in in four years. Is he going to be the 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 talisman for England? Like, should he be starting? No. I think personally, I think Southgate is trying to make him break the record because you can tell how he never gets um, (sighs) substituted. Um, And I think once he breaks the record, then he needs to. If Southgate's still in charge, the next person needs to bring him in. But I think it's going to be like a Beckham situation where he's going to have to quit. Or he's gonna to have to give up in, uh, before he gets dropped because no one's gonna be brave enough to drop him. Just like no one's brave enough to ever drop David Beckham from England. Um, so we'll we'll see. Um, yeah, so that's me. All right, that's the World Cup um, roundup. So I just want to twitch briefly on Arsenal. So at the moment, we've only got four players left um, in the tournament. Of those four players, I saw the one, tweet you did. Very good. Only one's, like only one's a starter, really, and that's Saka. Um, and we've all heard the news um, that Gabriel Jesus has just had a knee operation and potentially out for three months. Um, Chris, I'll come to you quickly. Um, we touched on Matt Turner sort of being the star uh, for USA and sort of playing well. But has any, apart from Saka, obviously, has any other Arsenal player kind of 
grabbed your eye um, in this World Cup tournament? The ones that who have played, I guess. Um, probably just Granite, to be honest. I think he's. Um, I mean, barring that that sort of nightmare that Switzerland had last night, I thought he. Um, I, I just think he's been a very. I think he performed solidly for for Switzerland. Carried on his Arsenal form. Um, I saw the stories today that he's gone straight from the World Cup straight to Dubai to to rejoin the Arsenal um, squad because he wants to win something. You know, he's he's very committed. He doesn't want to go on holiday and whatnot. So I think his his attitude's been brilliant. Um, and in that game with Serbia, which was obviously very emotionally charged for for him and Shakiri in particular, um, he he's he's finally learnt the uh the fine art of shithousery without end product which i love <laughs> um he he's finally learned that you can bait someone in and then just stand there and go mm-hmm. yeah come on in. yeah and what you can do what you can do rather than charging in and lamping somebody and and you know having to deal with the consequences he seems to have evolved as a as a guy now he's a wind-up merchant um without end so yeah i think he's been good but matt turner's the one i think who's come out of this uh Saka as well but we we knew what we were getting with Saka whereas I feel like Turner I feel like he's um his distribution was was really good in this World Cup which was the one thing that apparently he was lacking when he joined Arsenal so that's good to see um and and it seems like the American folks were quite happy with him as well so uh yeah probably um those two and and Jesus for all the wrong reasons I just very quickly I don't think he was fit even before the tournament if I'm honest I think mm. I think they because t- he said he was feeling he's been feeling pain for a, a right month me. or two, yeah. And I thought the Arsenal medical staff had gone had gone on a. I thought we'd learnt from this because we had it with Lacazette, didn't we? Where he was carrying that injury for about six months and eventually was out, you know, because they just didn't get it treated. And I, I just I just worry that Jesus's head overruled his heart a bit. His heart overruled his head a bit there, and I sort of feel like Arteta was never going to stop him going. Of course he wasn't, and he, he you know shouldn't have done, but. I do worry that maybe that injury would have been more like a couple of weeks. And now because he's carried on playing through it, it's become a couple of months, but then arguably we played him through it as well. So we're as much to blame. So um, yeah, I don't think we'll see him until the end of the season now, to be honest, which is a probably a subject for another podcast. Cause end we, of the season. Yeah. I think, I think no, the rehab based on February. No, it's apparently it's anywhere between three to seven months is the diagnosis, and I think based yeah. on what Dom's been saying in our group, um, I I would because you've got to think it's not just the recovery from the injury and the surgery; it's rebuilding the muscle, rebuilding the match sharpness, rebuilding the yeah. match fitness. Um, unless our season goes very deep into the Europa League, I, I I would be very surprised if we see him before like March April time. Um, Jesus will rise in Easter, as Phil says. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I, we needed a striker anyway. Now we definitely need one. That's my view. But yeah. Um, with that news, Femi, what do you think? I mean, obviously the go-to man is going to be Eddie. And I, I think all four of us can agree that as much as we really want Eddie to score and be the talisman for Arsenal, he's not that guy. He's not the man. I mean, we're top of the league at the moment. You can... Eddie Enketia is not going to be the man who's going to lead us to the the summit of the Premier League. Although none of us really think we're, we're going to win it. Um, uh, do you think now, like Chris just said, do you think a striker now has to be one of the most important positions that we need as well as a centre midfielder in January? I'm not going to lie to you. Since that Jesus injury, my mind has been off the World Cup and just just 
I'm back on Arsenal mode now because <laughs> all I'm thinking is this has been a disaster for Arsenal. And I, I don't think people are understanding enough, not just the injury to Jesus, the way our players are getting knocked out of this tournament. I know it might be for other players and other teams, but I can only concentrate on Arsenal players. They look devastated, every single one of them, whether it's party, whether it's Tommy Asu saying he needs a break from football, which... As he said and that. then that's just a player that got knocked out this week and he still can have a week off and come back for the games not enough is um, it next week you're now we're getting to a stage where we're getting our top players especially Saka and Martinelli now that especially that Jesus is out they're getting to this weekend knowing that any result that doesn't go their way is going to devastate them so you're looking mm. at if they get through to the semis and let's say they both lose or they get to the final and one of them lose and then they're expected to play six days later, we're getting to dangerous territory now where we didn't think about all of these things when all our players were getting picked and we were just thinking about injuries. But the psychological part of it is it's crazy. You know, you, you've you've got Jacko who's obviously said, yeah, I don't care. I just want to go back to training in <laughs> Dubai and get over it you know, machines like that. But you've got Tommy crying on the side of the pitch saying he needs a break from football. Like, it's it's just... it's just, And he barely plays season. either as well. Yeah, exactly. And Don't it's, these people it's need like, to grow the fuck up? I mean, none of them... It's not like Tommy actually expects to win the World Cup. I'll go, what are you crying about? But it's the way that you go out, though, isn't it? Yeah. You know, when yeah, you go out it's, on penalties, it's it's And look emotion, at our goalkeeping yeah. situation as well. Both of our goalkeepers yeah. are out there, right? I know Turner's come back early and I know Ramsdale hasn't played, but, you know, you, you talk about integrating back in like Saka and Martinelli. Yeah. We haven't got well, you, a third choice yeah, goalkeeper you, who can play, I mean, you, you know, Boxing Day. You're looking at, what if all of them go through this weekend, you're looking at the fact that even if they lose the semis, they still got to play that third, fourth playoff. Yeah. So yeah, that's, a week before the, that's a week before. And I looked at West Ham, They've hardly got any players away, so no. they're just training. Who isn't it? Or it's, it's, it's a team midfielders, Rice and Paqueta. Yeah, 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 that's yeah it. so yeah, they're yeah. basically training basically for that game against us as a group now. Mm. So you know, it's 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 a bit worrying. You know, it's it's one of those things that you know it's good that we accumulated a lot of points in the first half of the season because I think we're going to need it, especially come January. Looking at those fixtures, I mean, even coming in, let's be honest, West Ham at home and Brighton away, then Tottenham away, Newcastle and Man United. Those are the next fixtures. That's a horrible... Brighton away is not an easy game, as we always know. So, you know, my mind's already switched onto Arsenal. And the football we're going to watch, like you're going to pay and go and watch it. The second half of this season is going to be dog shit quality, isn't it? It's going to be so bad. Honest with you, I get that. I want to be optimistic and he's our player, Eddie, like go Eddie and all of that but seriously the drop off is massive and you know I hope he performs the way he did at the end of last season but I've still got dreams of Tottenham away and Newcastle away last season Mm. and him hardly even getting a kick in any of those Mm. games and that worried me so much because those are the caliber of games that he's, he's being dropped into it's not He's not playing Nottingham Forest at home or, or anything like that. He's dropping into massive games that he struggled in last And what season. if he gets and injured? 
I mean, like, this... and and the other argument as well so is like short. he would have been mentally preparing for this. He would have gone into the season. Arteta would have sold him this on the contract. Said, "Look, we've got Gabby. Yes, I'm not going to lie to you. He's first choice. But anything happens to him, you are our man." That's suddenly a fuck of a lot of pressure on him to perform. And like, you know, if he's missing the odd game against fucking dynamo plastic bag in the Europa League, we go, ah, it doesn't really matter because Gabby's back at the weekend for West Ham at home. Now it's going to be, no, who's going to play the Europa League games now? Like Danny said on Twitter the other day, are we going to see a Martinelli converted into a striker? See, We've got Emil Smith-Rowe coming back, which is a massive bonus, but his fitness hasn't been, you know, there's no guarantee that he will stay fit. What if he gets a setback? I mean, I mean, yeah, he's bulked out, hasn't he, bless him? But him coming back is it gives us options because we can now play him on that left, Saka on the right, and move Martinelli central. But as much as I love Gabby, and I do, I'm not convinced he's a centre forward. His best goal scoring for Arsenal has been coming from that wing inside and even, linking with Jesus. You're right about that, but even Saka is going to need a break as well. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Saka's played what every single game yeah. so far this season. He he can't. Uh, so I know we don't want the Sanchez effect with him. Yeah, they, yeah, I know what um, Arteta said. Oh, he, top players should be able to play seventy games. I'm sure that's probably tongue in cheek because he I, doesn't I know mean it. Does he? Yeah. Doesn't mean it. Yeah, but it's looking that way that he's going to be playing those games. Mm. And you know, unless like Marquinhos, um, Marquinhos, sorry, um, suddenly springs into form. Um, Scored a good one against know. Watford, didn't he? <laughs> I, I don't <laughs> in know. That I, I don't know who will actually play on that right hand side, and it's gonna. I don't want to see that point where, you know, like Gabby, um, Saka p- picks up a little niggle, and you're like, oh yeah, don't worry, it's fine. And then all mm. of a sudden, it's oh he's missing, and then all of a sudden he's missed like six, seven, eight games, and you know, no one knows why. It's exactly like um, Zinchenko. Zinchenko's mm. missed what? Zinchenko missed like six, seven games, and every That's game was like. Oh, he'll be back soon, and no one knows what kind of happened to him. When was he playing with an injury as well? And now he's um, gone to Dubai and he isn't training, so it's like, what's happening there? Um, like, uh, exactly, he's so, a friendly era. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So where, you look at it, Carl. From it's not like losing Gabriel. I mean, losing Jesus isn't like losing Peak Van Persie, Peak Ian Wright, Peak Thierry Henry, who we rely on for goals. Anybody of the front three of Martinelli, Smith Rowe, Saka can play in any one of those front three positions. Jesus didn't score goals. All yeah, but Jesus is more than that. He was yeah, the glue. He is, but it, maybe one of those ones can step up and, and, and do that and then score the goals. You could even have all three playing and say, right, fluid, you swap sides. Because all that, three that's... are basically, they, they all do the same thing. I'm not worried at all. This will be the making of um, Smith-Rowe on the left and Martinelli playing in the role. Because Martinelli is, if anything, he's better on his feet and more dainty than what Jesus is. And Smith, he's, he's still got that passion. Smith-Rowe, if, if fit, is is the X factor. Because he could yeah. come back and be, quote-unquote, like a new signing. And even Rhys Nelson's been looking decent. Yeah, Nelson's been good. But, but, it, yeah. but, you, but you're... The drop-off in talent, I think, from yeah. he's, he's massive, Danny. No matter what you say... I know experience-wise, yeah. It is a and, and we have and we have to learn. Sorry to cut you off. We have to learn the lessons that that Mikel didn't learn last January. We cannot be sat here in February going, yeah. yeah, we just needed a striker in that window. We have got. I mean, Edu should be on the fucking phone now, as far as I'm concerned. Whether it's Mudrai, whether though. it's 
well uh, they have to i mean they they lit oh we've got a new dating site splendid oh, i need love. on that um they they have that. they have to be on on the case i mean you know i take fucking calvert lewin at this point like they have to be looking at someone now yeah. to come in and say yeah there's, there's no there's no harm in saying that english bloke from roma what's his name no i'm not abraham God, no. i know That's everyone it. likes so i'm not a fan but you you can't you you've now haven't so if anything happens to Enketa, you've got nobody <laughs> if something happens you know we're, we're speculating now martinelli um something could happen like that uh, anthony could spin off the face of the planet tomorrow which is possible because he's an idiot um he might get injured or or rafinha might get injured in training tomorrow martinelli might start for brazil and then break his leg like who the fuck knows saka might miss another key penalty in a world cup final and his head be in the dirt for 6 months i know it's ifs buts and maybes but we we didn't expect to be top of the table at the world cup um coming in but we are and surely surely Mikel would have looked at this and gone you know three of our best attackers have gone to this world cup and not only three of our best attackers, three of our most in-form attackers, um, if anything happens to any of those, just like if anything happens to Parsi or Shaka, we have to have replacements. Um, and, and up front is the one area that we're like, you know, Elneny's back now, great. Um, we've got Fabio Vieira, great, fantastic. But that forward line, you know, we have to be in the market. And I, I hope we go for Mudrike. I really do, because he excites me a lot. Nice and it hair. seems like he's keen. Nice hair. But we need more than just him. We need we need a centre forward. We need a. I keep banging on about this, but we need that when we sign Davos Suka. We need that sort of experienced player who's going to come in, who knows full well that he's not going to be first choice when Jesus is fit, but is going to come in and do a job. Sylvain Wiltord, you know those type of players who will come in and and get the goals that we need between now and the end of the season. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I I'm not. I'm cautiously pessimistic, I think is the word. Um, yeah. I'd use. We're not winning the league, I, are we? Let's, let's no, we're not, it was no lovely while it lasted. No one ever thought we was going to win the league. I just feel like what Danny, the Danny said that he's not worried. I'm a little bit worried because I think the dropper from Eddie to dropper from Eddie to um, Gabriel is, is massive. It really is. It's mm. huge. And you're forgetting as well, like like you said, So the, the, what was our game, Femi? So we've got West Ham first of all and then we've got Brighton away Brighton and then away. we've got Newcastle yeah. to Tottenham, is it? Yeah, yeah. And then Man United yeah. in the same. And month, then Man United. Those well, and yeah. then uh, those games are not going to be easy. Like Tottenham don't don't forget, up. we're not the only. You know, there's other teams that we're playing. One hundred percent. But if you think, well, if you but. think about, so but if you think about the players, like you said, um, um, West Ham have only got two players, mm. arguably their best two players in centre midfield. Whether depending on how far they go, will they come back and play against us? We don't know. And then you go to Newcastle, who Bruno, uh, Brighton, sorry Brighton. So Brighton have got McAllister. I think that's it, isn't it? Half the Ecuadorian um, team that were there. <laughs> McAllister and obviously Tammy. The Man City have got the most players there, haven't they? It's left, and that's they're our main title rivals. That's all I'm bothered about. Well, Man United, uh, even Spurs. I mean, you know, what state is Son going to come back in? He was absolutely distraught, which is hilarious. Um, Richarlison, you know, if they don't, if they don't mm. make it all the way, how's he going to come back? Um, well, how's Kane going to be? You know, I think Eric it's Dyer. what you're talking about. It's that drop off for us, though, in talent, mm. because they got like a Kulusevski in reserve waiting, whereas more than likely at the moment, our starting front three against 
West Ham might be Marquinhos, Eddie, Nelson. and Nelson, mm. unless Eddie and <laughs> and Mart- unless Saka and Martinelli are better. I don't see um, Smith in that game. Yeah, yeah Oviera wide. Yeah, there mm. you go. Yeah, I don't see Smith Rowe being ready for that game. I, mm. I think that's the only thing. It's just that drop off, and we kind of knew it in the summer when we didn't sign a wide player to back Saka up. Mm. But we were after okay, one. If, like, look how much yeah. he was yeah. after Rafinha, and we didn't get him. And then yeah. we kind of put all our eggs in that Rafinha basket. And then after that, it was kind of well, yeah, who else do we go for? And you wonder if that's why they were so keen on a wide forward because they knew that that Martinelli would potentially go with Brazil and they knew that Saka would go with England. And I wonder if that's why they were looking at that. Um, but I mean, but yeah, like like Arnie said in the chat, you know, there are others that are going to go through what we're going through. But we're we're not looking at it as a Man United fan, as a Spurs fan. We're looking at it as an Arsenal fan, aren't we? And are we're we looking at it. Though? Are we going to well, that's that's the thing, and we've got PTSD of January transfer windows, haven't we? <laughs> you know, I, I don't want to be sat here with yeah. a guy with a dildo in his ear on January the 30th going Arsenal have signed, you know, Patrick Berger on a six-month loan deal. Like, we, we need to wow. be January the 2nd. Arsenal have, have got, you know, whoever it is on loan from West Ham or whatever. Like, it, it needs to be done early um, because... <sighs> And, the stakes yeah. are so high for us. We get the right player on January the first. We get the right player, then we, we can go and push on and still keep it, fighting yeah. for the title. It is but it's not just the PSD title; it's Europa PSD. League, it's the FA Cup. It's yeah. you know, it is lots Europa of PSD. League. I mean, it's PSD from the Eduardo season where yep. we were flying. But I think that the, the major advantage for our, yeah, there's so many. The major advantage for us over those seasons where we used to lose, I don't know, we used to get. Van Persie and he'll get injured in March is we actually have January to fix this. Mm. You know, we always used to have that and Eduardo will go down and it just one, two, three players go out injured. Rosicki gets injured or one of mm. those random play, injuries that just destabilizes the whole team. The only advantage is we can fix this in January. Mm. The only What a, what a player Eduardo was. Oof. I'm going to throw out a name to you, Chris, because um, I, I saw it mentioned more than once today. Which was uh, Marcus Turam. Uh, what's mm. the chances of him coming to Arsenal? Because I've seen that. I think I've seen that quite a few times. Yeah, somebody uh, asked me this on Twitter, and I forgot to reply. So whoever that was, I apologise. Um, I I don't see it because I think Bar- he's got Bayern Munich written all over him because his contract runs out at the end of the season. Bayern love a free with big wages. Um, they've got Chupa Moting, who, albeit has been very good for them, but is getting up there. I think he. I think he's prime for Bayern. Um, I'd like it though, yeah. I, I think he'd be, I think he'd be ideal, and you know, Gladback would sell because he's got Patrick Berger's not not available. No, he's not a football. Damn it! Um, but yeah, I yeah, Turan would be great. It would be great. There, there's there's a there's a couple. The uh, the only one I would throw back at you, if if I was Arsenal and I was looking at getting a a nimble, because I think we've all accepted that we're not going to sign a John Hartson, which which makes me sad, because I, I do miss the days of having a big centre-forward to you know aim the long balls at. But if you can't get a Turam, who's very much in that mode, six foot four, built like a tank, um, if you want a nippy striker in the sort of Enketia Jesus type, Eketike went to PSG pre-season, he's not getting a game because he's got Neymar and Mbappe and Messi in front of him. Go to PSG, can we borrow Eketike for six months? How about um, Vlahovic at Juventus? Now Juventus are getting rid of everyone and they're back <laughs> disbanded. Well, yeah, but let's see if that actually, you know, it, it's well, Italian. They've resigned, haven't they? Yeah, but they, they still haven't decided what's going to happen, is it? I mean, it, they're not going to 
pillaged. They're not going to say, oh, you've got to give They're not going to sell them all in January. Really. Down, yeah. That's It'll not be the end of the season if they get relegated or whatever they'll go. For but... a third bloody time. But Turan would be great. Like I say, six foot four, you know, big, strong, can play wide, can play centrally, um, has a decent goal scoring record. Musa Diaby's another one at, at Leverkusen, can play wide, can play through the middle. Um, th- there are options, um, but oh, I don't know. I just, I just have, a, I have a horrible feeling um, that at the end of the season we might look back and go, oh, again, you know, yeah, mm. we, we, we could, we oh, just yeah, could have. As long as we get top four, though, look again, we have yeah, to be realistic. That's, that's that's what we need, isn't it? But I think that's the minimum. That's what we want. Um, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we've been going for two and a half hours. So Jesus Christ, that we've had a lot to talk about because uh, Danny hasn't organised a podcast, even though me and Chris have begged him to organise a podcast, and he hasn't. You've been trying to organise him, and everyone just Blame fucking blanked you. Blame me. I've had Lana in my ear about it as well. I just haven't. Had... Um, we will try next week to do one after. Um, so what, what's the semi-finals Wednesday and after Thursday after the quarters or we could do one after the quarters couldn't we but the uh, goes, but the quarters are um, so that'd be this weekend won't it um, oh okay maybe not Tuesday Wednesday for the same so Tuesday Wednesday so maybe Thursday we'll see who's about and then we'll do one the week after for the final um, we'll try and organise one but everyone has busy lives Josh is off doing Josh things Ellis is off striking uh, Josh is off recycling stuff. If, if France beat England on, well. on if France beat England on Saturday night, then we'll do a podcast Saturday night for twenty four hours straight. <laughs> and I'll just tell you how great France are. Just so. you sobbing and burning everything that's got anything to do. <laughs> no, 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 no. If, if England win, then this is the last podcast you'll ever see me on. So it's been a pleasure. But uh... no, we will try for next Thursday because am I working? Arsenal playing. Arsenal playing Leon tomorrow, Tuesday. don't they? Yeah, yeah, and they play Milan on Tuesday, so that's the, the Lacazette derby tomorrow. Okay, well, we might do a... yeah, playing Leon tomorrow, and then who's the other one? Is it who's Milan? It? Milan, Milan, Milan yeah. on Tuesday. I'd like to see well, if England win the World Cup, Chris. I'd like a tattoo on one buttock cheek of the World Cup, and like on the other buttock cheek, Harry Kane puckering up for the World Cup. <laughs> will you get two, that done? Two things you will never see. <laughs> <laughs> like Avon said, if, if if France France win the World Cup, I'll just do a podcast on my own, just just talking talking to myself for hours. It'll get record. No, it won't get any views. What time are England playing? Um, Leon tomorrow. Three thirty UK time, I believe, because I got a notification while we were doing this pod. Well, someone let me know how that gets. So we've got two questions. One from Phil Mack. We can't answer. Any idea who plays against Leon tomorrow? Um, yeah, the players that uh, no one knows. I could, no, I could name you the team, but how can you name the team? Well, because it's going to be our, our first battle. It'll be Carl Hein in goal. It'll be Tierney oh, left back. Man. It'll be Cedric right back. Gabriel and Rob uh, centre backs. El Nene yeah. and uh, Vieira in midfield. Uh, Odegaard in the ten. Marquinhos and Nelson wide, and Odegaard in the middle. Possibly Stewart, the photographer up front. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Odegaard and Stewart in it, yeah. Yeah, I'll another question, question just for Chris from Nick. Uh, would Chris be happy for England to win the World Cup no. as he has seen France win two already <laughs> no. in his lifetime? No, no, no. Cold day Stupid in hell. question, no. Nick. Put, put yourself in a timeout for that, son. <laughs> You're wasting right. everyone's time, Nick. <laughs> uh, gents, thank you so, so much uh, for coming. It's been a while since we've done a podcast. We need to do... That's why we've gone on for so long. We've had lots, lots and lots to talk about. 
Um, Danny, <sighs> you have to be here, but thank you very, very much for organising as per normal. It's uh, well, you did the organising, I just pressed uh, record, and I did that at the last minute because I uh, forgot what to do. But cheers for organising it, Cal. No worries, Femi. As always, cheers. your voice of reason, your dulcet tones, brilliant. Um, cheers, guys. No worries. And Chris, you'll either be smiling <laughs> loads on Saturday or you'll be crying loads on Saturday. Into your baguette. Or I'll be gone. <laughs> I'll just be gone forevermore. Uh, no, it's been fun. Thanks for organising. And uh, yeah, it's been, been a bit of good giggle. And I suppose I better start remembering how to host podcasts again because I'll have to do it again in two weeks when I go back to normal. So Exactly. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll, I guess we'll try and do next Thursday after the semis. Um and do an Arsenal roundup as well. Uh, unless there's any breaking Arsenal lose, not Arsenal sign uh, Mbappe. You know, he, he comes out after after he's beat England in the World Cup. He comes out and says, "I am signing for Arsenal." Yes, I know that's a shit what a French accent, but we don't know. No worries. Uh, thanks, guys. Thanks to everyone else for being in the chat. Been absolutely brilliant. Give us a thumbs up. Give us a like on whatever platform you're um, listening this, this to. Uh, this has been a uh, World Cup podcast from a Burkamp Wonderland saying thank you very much for listening. And we will talk to you next week, hopefully. Take care. Bye bye. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Get down, dog. Splendid business. You nearly caught the bloody thing. What are you talking about? <laughs> So I've just eaten a full quiche. Well, you don't often see them at it. So when you see them in the supermarket, they need to be swagged, microwaved immediately and get the brown sauce on them and bosh, Bob's your uncle. Never in doubt. <laughs>